Welcome back, everyone, to Red Spotlight Entertainment. I'm your host, Alexis, and I'm joined by Alexis Moreno and David Francisco. Today, we have so much to talk about and expect a bunch of explosions and rants coming your way. And, of course, you wouldn't be watching or listening to this show if you were expecting anything otherwise. Of course, this is the show that brings you everything coming out of the world of movies and more and we've got so much for you ahead which you know yeah the oscar nominations came out but at this point it's kind of old news in comparison to all the other crap that's happening um particularly with live action remake projects interestingly enough um things coming back things imploding and you know thoughts of the other sort that's going to be our show here on Red Spotlight number 472. How are you guys doing this week? I want to actually uh, catch up with you and uh, what's the latest with Turn to Page and Percy Jackson? And also how you're feeling um, in that order, because of course that's the least important thing to me. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Humor, of course, yeah. not at all being serious. Go ahead, guys. Uh, well, we missed last week's episode because um, we were getting ready to go on a little, little trip. But, uh, oh yeah, I was by myself. I was by myself. <laughs> yeah, Just, but uh, uh, we're gonna do both episodes, the last two episodes together uh, this week. So that should be fun. And then we are gonna do a book podcast, the sequel to the one that we did last time, The Maid. Um, what was it called? The sequel? Uh, Mystery Guest? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I forgot. I've been reading it, but I forgot the name of the Yeah, I just, I just, I mean, I just call it the maid two or something like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's not that. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, the books so far is really, really good. Every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta like note this down because there's a lot going on, and like I stop listening to it, <laughs> and so it's been trouble <laughs> trying to finish it. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's so, quite a bit going on. Yeah, <laughs> we're trying to catch up this and, week. So and then I'm trying to do a podcast with uh, Sergio. Um, I haven't done it in a while just because he wasn't done with the game that I played, which was God of War, mm. uh, Ragnarok, Valhalla. But he was. But when I saw him this weekend, he was like, "Dude, just talk about it." I'm like, "I beat that thing." I'm like, "Perfect, I can talk about it." <laughs> so we're planning that soon. <laughs> There's literally so much going on, and it doesn't help when you leave town. <laughs> yeah, um, especially when you leave when you leave town to be hours and hours away. You went to San Diego, which is what? How many hours away? Seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's insane. Um, and yet somehow you two are still breathing. Um, yeah. in the midst of all that, because that's 14 hours on the road in a single weekend. We're so used to the road by now. It literally. Yeah. It doesn't phase you. It doesn't feel, yeah. Because, I mean, I go all the time and people tell me to, like... Chill. People are, like, shocked that I drive by myself all the time or... (laughs) I don't know. But we also, like, grew up that way. True. Um, Mm. So you've been conditioned. Yeah. Like, um, because we moved to where you live and we're originally from San Diego. So, like, literally every weekend we would go. Just to be clear, for those who are not aware, I live in Moss Isley. So, um... (laughs) Continue. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. It just it doesn't feel mm. any different than when we were younger. <laughs> but then also, oh, we've yeah. been so tired lately. Every time we fall asleep in the car, we're just like, it's like we close our eyes and then like that. We're all, we're, we're here? How? Like, I didn't even know you went past the mountains. Like, what the fuck? 
That's insane. But those are the best kind of naps, at least to me. Um, When you just like skip a a good part of the trip and you're like, oh, we saved some time. Not really, but (laughs) you weren't awake for it. So in a way you kind of did. So yeah, I I do want to note because we're at the top here. We're talking about programming. Um, Just real quick, I want to just run down through what we're talking about today. We're going to respond to comments that we received from Little Mermaid, obviously. Uh, we're not going to just let that fly. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the uh, controversial comments made by people attached <laughs> to yet another live action remake. This being The Last Airbender and now, or I should say Avatar The Last Airbender. And of course, we'll talk about the trailer. We're going to discuss the Barbie explosion that happened and everybody feeling the need to have an opinion about it. And then it ended up like ended up like being... A whole discourse inside another discourse, and then it ended up turning into a situation where everybody just got sick of it. Then the Oscar nominations. Uh, we're going to talk about Saltburn because all of us have now finally seen it, as well as the rest of the internet. Um, <laughs> and then we'll end today by talking about the Bad Batch uh, and the return of Asajj Ventress, which is, I mean, not something that we obviously just, you know, let go. We have to mention that. Uh, especially since we've been waiting for that for over 10 years now. Um, (laughs) Yeah, literally, it's been a long-ass time. Uh, So that's the stories for today. But at the top, I wanted to ask you, um, just so we had this in our minds, not to have any realistic expectation that we're going to have an answer for anybody right now, but I do know that in the next couple of weeks, there are a couple of things that are of note that we may be able to turn in some reactions, but... We just have to like kind of play it by ear. I'm not sure they'll have a, a sense of consistency just depending on our schedules. But I know that we discussed last week that no bad batch is coming back uh, at the end of next month. I want to say, um, I believe there are 15 episodes, and some of them are going to drop three at once. Some of them will drop two at once. Mm. Interesting release schedule. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's going to run all the way up to May 1st, right before May 4th. And there is speculation, as a matter of fact. I think I listened to one of the, I think, Corey Van Dyke, I believe. He's a a former Kessel Run Transmissions. He's one of those Star Wars insiders. And he has, he's worked with Lucasfilm. So I think he has, he claims he has inside knowledge that the expectation is there will be another, uh, this is actually pretty great news, another uh, Lucasfilm animation show announced for May the 4th. Uh, which is the only thing exciting about Star Wars these days. <laughs> so I'll I'll take it. Um, and that, that that doesn't include Tales of the Jedi because that there is a second season of Tales of the Jedi coming, which they speculate will be in October of this year. So that's down the line. Um, so we may want to play with the idea of doing some Bad Batch reactions because um, this is the final season, so a lot of things will be ramping up. Um, besides, season two was really great mm-hmm. like, like season one was really good season two was like wow um and i'm just glad that i'm not the only one that picked up on like some parallels between that and andor um and i also want to make you know make it pretty clear that of course that dave filoni has his hand in a lot of things in star wars dave filoni did not write a single episode of bad batch uh and he is not the showrunner like he's just not mm-hmm. he's not involved in the show i just want to be clear about that mm-hmm. and the the quality of the Bad Batch, and David and I had said it from the first episode, blows anything live action Star Wars on Disney Plus out of the water. There's just 
no comparison whatsoever. So that's going to be an interesting thing to explore. Um, and we'll talk more about that when we get to the Bad Batch at the end of the show. The other thing happening is, and this is a bit more difficult to do reactions because um, this won't be week to week. But it also is something that we don't expect to be technically good. But we're a little bit curious, I would say. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix. But I, I do want to say, though, they're going to drop all their episodes at once. I'm not aware as to how many episodes they're right. Like, I think they're going to do it all at one time, right? Yeah, I think so. I assume so. Which makes it kind of impossible to do reactions because it's just yeah. well, the whole yeah. thing's there. Um, do you guys plan on watching it? Are you are you curious? I am. I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, into the extended lore of our own uh, podcast, we did a huge deep dive into the mythology of, of the two animated shows, Last Airbender and Korra, uh, back in 2020. And I don't know about you guys, but those are some of my favorite, like, episodes we've ever done. Like, some of my favorite conversations we captured on this podcast. And, of course, if anybody wants listening and watching that, listening and watching Sure, we'll go watching. Yeah, watching. We'll, we'll go with that. It's a new word. If you're watching, then you can go back into like Mavity, Gravity, you know, mm. Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> go back into 2020 into our library and listen to those episodes. I They're really, really good conversations. Uh, they also involve um, Peter Martinez and Kyle Lyra, who have since passed away um, <laughs> because they are not on the show anymore. Um, not that I've seen anyway. It's been a couple of months. Um, I guess Peter came back, but that, I think we have since determined that was an aberration. <laughs> because, of course, he would come back to haunt us. Me, particularly. <laughs> and, of course, he'll be back for the Top 10 show, which, of course, if that is... If I could he ever be haunted more... Yeah, of course, he would come back from the dead for that uh, particular <laughs> episode. Uh, which will be happening two weeks or so-ish after the Oscars, and more on that in a bit. So... A lot in our minds to keep track of, obviously, on top of what you already had mentioned. So, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot already happening. That's not even counting into some 2023 movies you want to catch up with or new 2024 movies, which really, there are no new, realistically interesting 2024 movies that have come out. I mean, all the stuff that's come out this month has been pretty tip. I mean, Mean Girls notwithstanding, I'm not, and I can't speak to the quality of it, but everything else has been kind of like typical January stuff where you're just like, oh yeah, ignore. Anyway. That's where we're at. Um, what a fucking week. <laughs> can you just, can we just like start off with like, can you believe the week that has happened? And, and, and I, believe me, I am referring to every bit of what we're discussing, but I'm also referring to things that we're not even going to touch on. Like evidently the right wing declaring war on Taylor Swift and evidently ta oh, yeah. Taylor Swift becoming a focal point in the 2024 presidential election where Joe Biden wants to get her endorsement and Donald Trump's like, well, she's not, I'm more popular than she is. Like, what is okay. going on? All right. Like what? Like it's, it's pretty funny to me. It's like, wow, can Taylor Swift be any bigger? And yet she ends up eclipsing her previous peak of popularity. Like she just, <laughs> and like, it's just so funny. Cause she literally just sits there. Like she doesn't do anything. She's just, like, a, song. That's what blows she's my just mind. a singer. Like nothing more. Like she's a great singer, obviously, but like nothing more. <laughs> it's insane to me that this is that where we're at in presidential politics. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, one, I, I saw, I don't know if it was true, but I saw that, um, Twitter wasn't like showing like, cause she was trending, but it wasn't loading on Twitter. 
uh, because people were like, that's just... true. If she was banned at one point, or at least the search was banned for yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a minute or so. Because people were just being brutal for, again, absolutely no reason. But, yeah, whatever. You know what? <laughs> I mean, I just want to like read one of the headlines that I saw today. Um, this, that, that I think kind of captures the insanity. This comes to us from the Rolling Stone. This is a Rolling Stone article. Right-wingers say Super Bowl is rigged so Taylor Swift can endorse Biden. <laughs> People are so funny. People are so creative. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, uh, yeah. How are uh, any of those things connected? <laughs> That's the, that's just this is I mean you gotta respect I guess just the craziness um yeah. people you know falling into it completely um so yeah I mean and look that's for our en- entertainment right because we're trying we're trying to distract ourselves from the fact that the two presidential candidates are kind of falling apart <laughs> in front of all of our eyes for various different reasons I mean the one thing they have in common is they have a hard time speaking. Um, and they both sound drunk on stage because they're slurring. They're literally falling apart. They're, yeah, they're <laughs> slurring their words. Nobody can understand what's going on. And yeah, not to mention one of them got slapped with an $80 million defamation suit. Um, so there's that. Anyway, that's part of the craziness that's happened this week. Um, <laughs> and there's still way, there's just so much more. Um, that if I, I mean, we don't want to spend so much time on it, but we just got to get into the stuff that's, you know, circling us. But I think the common theme of today's show is a lot of these topic (laughs) items are just kind of idiotic. Um, just the overwhelming, I want to say stink of them is just like, wow, this is just, we've (laughs) really got nothing better to do on our hands. Um, than just fight over dumb shit all day long. It's been it's been a slow yeah, e- slow year so far. So you know we just we kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, look. I I'm not even going to bother uh, reading the specific comments that we received, only because, well, like, we can paraphrase them in a more succinct manner, but we also kind of know what they are because we knew what they were going to be. In case, um, and I, I did go back and and and, and uh, see the video, and I want to say the most important thing that we can take away from this is that, David, the editing on that was impeccable. <laughs> really good job. I wasn't even expecting all the different... Um, basically inserts that you put it in there to kind of help people visualize what the fuck we were talking about. Um, I, I wasn't even like, I was kind of shook a little bit because I wasn't even aware you were talking about the song agony from into the woods. Cause I forgot it even existed. (laughs) Uh, I'm like, it's not when you played the agony and I'm like, Oh shit, that song exists. (laughs) I remember that song. And I thought it was pretty funny how the graphic kept coming up of like the number of Rob Marshall films that it. I know that I was so <laughs> funny to me. I told her about that one. She was just like, "Yeah, it's really good. I like it." It's so uh, I just kept adding like circles to it more and more. <laughs> it was it, just funny. It was eerie. I feel like I'm. 
happy that the video's out because I feel like our conversation like was good. Um, but I'll let you talk about the conversation. <laughs> I mean, I thought we had we we usually have a pretty good convo, but sometimes and uh, look, we have a lot of most of our history with this podcast particularly has just been audio only. But I think we're kind of discovering in these last few months that we've been, you know, now doing video. There's a whole other dimension of things to capture uh, in our conversations. Like you get to see our faces, our facial expressions. It kind of adds a lot to a lot of our own laugh. Like we make mm -hmm. each other laugh a lot. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, I'm not sure that's captured if you don't have the picture literally. David. Mm -hmm. No, I was going to say, you know, I had the comments right here if you wanted to talk about it. But <laughs> I mean, if you'd like to read them, sure. Yeah. And I want to just want to say off the bat um we never get any kind of feedback whatsoever and so when, any, when anybody is like you know so moved to type something in that's always nice mm -hmm. i do want to say though um as somebody who is usually on the receiving end of the kind of <laughs> comments that is not necessarily um always welcome it does get to be a bit grating even though i, I i'll fully say that because of the fact that 99% of the comments that we end up getting is to complain to our faces about something that we said. And it, even though we answered their criticisms in the video itself or the, or whatever, they still feel they need to comment, whatever they want to say, mm -hmm. because I'm so used to it. It's not surprising. Like, Oh, here's a, here's a new comment. That's pretty fucking critical. Like, oh yeah. Well, that's par for the course. <laughs> um, but I, I, I gotta say, I think that kind of is a reflection of what, uh, what we, I think, strive to do here, which is to have an honest fucking opinion, you know? Like, we don't really hold back on how we feel. And especially with Disney or a lot of the big franchises, we say a lot of things that are pretty cutthroat and pretty vicious, um, but they're genuine and honest in how we feel. And we feel ultimately that the, how we feel is closest to the truth than what others would find on other shows where they're really kind of sugarcoated and trying to be nice about things because you know disney and papa Iger pay the big bucks right well we don't get those checks <laughs> so um, not, not not that i'm saying that the people get checks but they get a lot of favors they get a lot of access we don't have any of that we don't care to get any of that we're just here to vent uh and, and talk about how we see things and ultimately we know we understand that's going to rub people the wrong way and so this kind of reaction is exactly what I think is kind of the proof of how, how we feel and everything at the same time, we've been through enough of these where you, you already know what the comments are going to be before you even finish the freaking video. I didn't even realize it myself that I closed off. I, I well, was it that little mermaid? Uh, or was it something else? It was, I was watching a video uh, one of ours and I closed off the show basically suggesting that there would be, a comment like that that we ended up getting actually <laughs> uh complaining about something um and it always is funny though um that um <laughs> it always ends up being kind of random too like to me the funniest comments that we ever got was when David and I sat down and did our Captain Marvel uh audio commentary and this person was basically going it's always the audio commentaries too <laughs> but like and it's just so funny because those are so long mm -hmm. and those are the ones that people 
Although, to be fair, I think some of our podcasts can That's easily true. go longer than the so, audio commentaries, sure. to be fair, though. Um, I mean, we've had four-hour podcasts on this show before, so it's not necessarily that foreign. But, um, yeah. Anyway, David, feel free if you want to read that comment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we thank the person for feeling so, you know, inclined to share what they think. Yeah. Although, as we're going to get into, they're pretty fucking wrong. But go ahead and read that comment. <laughs> so it was at iris.xo. I'm just going to paraphrase the comments because this person wrote four different comments. I'm pretty sure they put just their thoughts as they were going along with the video because later on, um, they bring up certain things that we brought up or something or like just hasn't happened yet i don't know but yeah basically like the first one was just uh we were nitpicking on hallie's uh singing the this person um liked this version better than the original uh and all that and basically i just commented um that we love that we loved hallie singing you know we think she's an amazing singer and we really liked the uh, for the first time song and all that uh we were just kind of our main complaint is that the changes they made um, it wasn't as calculated as it was as in the original, basically, and so that's why that's the, that was our main complaint. We don't mind her singing; it was just the way she was singing it. It wasn't the same as the original. Like it's the, the main original. point is it very clearly was they didn't put anywhere near the kind of thought into how the vocal of the song should be as the original film did, you know. And I want to just cut cut straight to the bullshit because i know you're gonna read one of the comments that's like well why are you guys overly comparing it to the original because the movie does it itself yes do you not watch the movie do you think we want to be here and constantly be those people that you know compares it to the original if you know us and have been listening to us we we try and separate it as much as possible but the film itself makes it a mission statement to repeat to copy as much of the original as possible and when you do that it it, it completely like it fails mm -hmm. it doesn't at all come close to what it was and so it's like look all of us here especially years ago in the early days of these live action remake uh, announcements we're like well you know what we don't want to be those people that says it's not fair to compare it to the original but at a certain point if all you're doing is it's a carbon copy if it's, if it's like, a, yeah exactly if it's a carbon copy you can't get mad at us for comparing it because the film itself is inviting these comparisons by it existing by its push in the media in literally in the sequences in the films like you can't help but compare it mm-hmm and when you do, every time, literally every time, it is a thousand times worse than the original film. Yeah. So I'm sorry. That's not something I will be moved on. Like, you're just flat out fucking wrong there. And you got to get over your shit or just move on to somewhere else where they're going to be nice about, oh, but wasn't it pretty? You know, it was pretty fucking ugly. Um, a lot of what was going on. Um, mm. sorry. Uh, th th these are among the worst movies that have been made in the last ten years, and it should be repeated a thousand times and scream it as 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 loud as you can be. And that kind of thinking just reinforces how fucked we are. If this is where our tastes are at, sorry, I'm already blowing up. Go ahead, <laughs> continue with what you were yeah. saying. No, I mean, I I put in um 
Cinderella and Jungle Book as comparisons. Like those movies, they're very different. You're being too nice. <laughs> they're go ahead. They're very different from the original. If we did audio commentaries on both Cinderella movies, we would have very different conversations, and we'll compliment both movies really. Just our our conversation would be different for the live action Cinderella than when our conversation was for live action Little Mermaid. Like that is, I just know for that. I know for sure that would happen. Um, the other two comments, um, one of them is, oh yeah, the person found, uh, for the first time song to be underappreciated. Um, so yeah, that's why I was thinking, like, I think this person probably, like, commented as they were watching along. Uh, uh this one just complimented, uh, Eric's character development, um, uh, which we mentioned. Which we did. Yeah. Again, though, that's why, again, uh, this person was probably commenting. I- I, I think what they were coming from was when we all collectively were just like, no, <laughs> when they took away that moment, the, the key moment that he's supposed to have and give it to Ariel, which funnily enough, somehow kind of rhymes with some of the stuff we're going to have on the on the menu here today, particularly with the Sokka stuff in Avatar, which is like you're taking away things that on paper we can clearly see are for lack of a better way of putting it, to score some woke points, although I want to make it pretty clear, any use of the word woke by any of us here should not insinuate to any of you listening or watching, watching, I'll put that, we're going to make it a term, (laughs) watching, that we are in any way affiliated with the anti-woke mob, the alt-right, Nazi, um, geeks and gamers, like brain rot, groupthink, idiot, sexist, fascist people. We're not at all associated with them um but that isn't at all to say that there are not substantive things you can critique when your main goal is to just be so message heavy to the point where it like completely destroys the characterization and the storytelling that kind of worked in the first place which is what happened with Eric. The reason why that moment was taken away from him was because we're in 2023. The producers and the writers are like, they saw an opportunity to score some woke points by let's, let's turn it around. Let's, let's give Ariel the female main character an empowering moment. And again, there's nothing wrong with that on its surface, but when you think more critically into it, it kind of falls apart and it kind of doesn't make at all any sense as far as the story you're telling. And it comes across as a clear corporate motivated decision. Um, And yet another way to make things seem different because ultimately you're not making anything really different at all. So I want to say those comments that this person put on the video that we did was in reference to that because we were harping on that, but we were harping on it for a pretty big fucking reason. Mm-hmm. Any other comments? Ellen? Um, I just think that, um, and, and what David said was probably too, like this person probably just commented as they were watching because I feel like um, all the things that she was saying, we kind of did answer in the conversation. Well, we want to be it might clear, not have come they, out. Was it? Uh, we, I don't even know who she, he, she, they, like, the person. I mean, we can't even be sure. So, just so to be clear, in case we're misgendering yeah. the person, and, and like I don't want it to also sound like we're 
like angry at this person or that this person can't come back because um yeah well i i know i made it seem that way but i want to be clear though i'm angry at the talking points i'm angry at the mentality that is so uh very clearly um so pervasive today and of course that isn't to say that this person can't continue, even though we know that the only reason they watched it was because it was an audio commentary and they probably never watch anything we ever do again at this point but anybody of course is welcome to watch we want people to watch and listen to what we have to say but um i mean that doesn't mean we can't come on here and like uh, push back a little bit on some of the things that you know especially because i feel like we can make uh, like i yeah. feel like a lot of the times like we get the comments and like we just don't respond because um <laughs> What's there to respond to? yeah but i feel like this one um like we do kind of answer the top the yeah the points that she hits in the video yeah and i think like the only thing i would have to say about that is like maybe the way that we expressed it um came off differently as like what we thought um but we don't hate Hallie we love her <laughs> like we're all big fans um we do love the changes we don't like the similarities uh cuz and i mean that can also be big like a big reason because that's like one of our favorite Disney movies, but mm. it's also like it's kind of this thing of like don't if it's not broke, don't don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, um, and like with Eric, we we like the changes. That was just like I think we maybe did like two things that we were like, oh, that was like a strange choice, um, but for the most part, like, we we always kind of knew that we weren't going to enjoy the movie because of what we kept seeing. Like, we were hopeful, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were hopeful, but we knew what yeah. it was going to be eventually. And we were also, like, doing this. Like, obviously, we are going to be more expressive and more loud, uh, you know, for the views. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's... It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, yeah. Um, yeah. But I also want to discuss it because it fits so well with a lot of yeah, what it we're going to end up talking about today that's actually mm -hmm. in the news. So just to get that out of the way with at the top of it. But of course, if anybody who is listening or watching, I'm going to coin that term, uh, is more than welcome to leave whatever, even if it's fuck you, Alexis, please go ahead. Uh but that I'm, I'm sure our um, deceased cast members will get a, <laughs> a laugh. Oh out yeah, of that. we it's just it's so funny. We all just kind of laugh about mm, it. Yeah, <laughs> even uh, one of them had the nerve to say that that uh, ever since they stopped appearing, the hate comments had gone through the roof. <laughs> um, but the views also went up. Damn it, I should have thought of that. Whoa. Whoa, where did that and come from? Where did I that know, come I from? I came from the quiet one. Where did that come from? Man, if Peter were here, wow. He would eat me alive. He's going to come back next week. Yeah. That's that funny. funny. 
I'm sorry. Yeah. It came from the person. That, that's like another thing yeah. too. I feel like we all bully each other so much that like whatever is <laughs> being said. These comments, like, it does nothing to it's us. Like nothing no, compared I mean, to what we tell each other. Listen to our old shows. <laughs> listen to our old shows. Like years and years ago, we would literally scream at each other. I um, met Peter doing a podcast, and he literally, I, I can't even remember. I think he either called me a bitch <laughs> or said "fuck you" like the first words, <laughs> and I said nothing <laughs> and by the way he will try and convince you that you heard that wrong when we have videographic evidence of him uh doing the opposite to a different interestingly enough female panelist um from <laughs> years ago calling her a bitch and everything so it, we even he ha- did the same thing to david though <laughs> yeah that's true so it's i'm not even saying sexism but it was just like it, it happens the, the bitch word <laughs> slips out of his mouth a lot and we actually have evidence and we actually have evidence of us of me filming him seeing the evidence that we had so um we have the receipts there um, and then he'll probably cry that we're slandering him or, or like, and yeah, you could, yeah, I mean, we're speaking ill of the dead, but hey, I mean, <laughs> if he's not here, we have a voice he doesn't. Um, and he, he very was welcome to be here. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He has to go, I don't know, study about blood or something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Anyway, uh, but seriously, I mean, some, I mean, I was listening a few weeks ago to some of, uh, the top 10 show from last year and some comments that he made, I mean, Alexis, he accused you of being a racist against the indigenous for not having avatar, the La- avatar, the way of water on your favorite <laughs> movies of the year. Um, he, he uh, was talking about his favorite film as saying, this one's for the haters and the losers, uh, giving off all the list of awards that everything, everywhere, all at once won. Uh, so, it's, you know, it, it's just like we crap on each other. That's embedded into the DNA of the show. Um, you know, it's kind of what happened. Maybe um, because the show lately hasn't been like that. I mean, I think the show is still what the show always has been. But I think we're, I don't know what what the right word is where we're at right now. But I mean, we're civil. It, <laughs> I guess it's a little bit more. Cordial and polite, I guess, a little bit. I mean, we still blow up. We still get heated. But, I mean, we're not necessarily being so hostile toward each other. Interestingly, how that kind of went away when Peter and Kyle (laughs) left the show. (laughs) Not that they were made to leave. They just kind of disappeared. But I just think we're having all the fun here. (laughs) So, I mean... Anyway... To use that to transition to um, Avatar, the last airbender now. Um, I, I don't know what I can say. Um, this is a All problem. I have yeah. to say is <laughs> there is a reason why the two creators left. <laughs> Yeah. Years ago, Cunetsko and DiMartino had a very public uh, falling out with Netflix. And I feel like at that point, anytime they leave, it's kind of like the kiss of death. 
Go ask M Night Shyamalan how it went, like how it went for him. Um, back in two thousand, whenever that film came out. Um, you know what I love though, that they leave and they just kind of let it run its course, and yet they come out on top. Mm-hmm. They really they do. They really did this time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. granted, the show's not out. We haven't seen it. Um, but Alexis, again, like how you were saying about The Little Mermaid just a few minutes ago, it's it, the exact same situation where we're talking about a live-action remake of an animated property that is literally remaking the exact same story, but you invite the inevitable comparisons of how inferior of a medium live-action <laughs> is in comparison to animation and so we sit through this, we want to say, and we always say that we're hopeful for all of the projects, and yet it's the same song and dance, and they come on out, they, they are always inferior and kind of in the same kind of ways, and there are always telltale signs, and that kind of is what brings us today in talking about The Last Airbender, which is, yeah, we'll discuss that trailer in a minute, but the big story that's coming out of it is not that trailer, but it's the controversy that's kind of exploded because of some really unfortunate comments made by the people attached to this new adaptation, which again, it's like a lot of rhyming going on. It's the exact same kind of tone-deaf comments that were made by Hallie, that were made by Rachel Zegler. Again, talking about new versions of old animated properties, but updating it, quote-unquote, to a modern-day audience, but that seemingly seems to be code for taking away the complexity and taking away the imperfections of a character, but part of the point of characters is that they're flawed and we get to watch them grow as people. That's literally the point of this show, though. Like, it's just so crazy because this show, I'm literally listening to, um, I don't know if you guys have, I think I've talked about it before, the Braving the Elements podcast where it's um, uh, the voice of Korra and the voice of Zuko they're, they're hosts, and like at the top of each season, right now they just started the third book three um, for The Last Airbender. The, they have um, both, they call them their parents. <laughs> um, they have both uh, creators come on the show and talk about and kind of just like reflect on um, creating, you know, what they're going to talk about that season. And I just listened to um, them talking about the book three, and Literally, they say, like, this show was meant to be timeless. Like, this show is supposed to reflect, uh, you know, our world throughout the years. And it's meant to include both the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. So why are you taking <laughs> the flaws? Like, how how are you going to send a message... <clears throat> Um, when everything is perfect, you know, or perfect, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's no learning, there's no growing, there's, you know, and that's what storytelling is supposed to be. And uh, and how are you going to mess it up when, like, it's literally right there, like. <laughs> I, do I have the, okay, so what happened? Um, this is the he- headline from Variety. Netflix's live-action Avatar series took out how sexist Sokka was in the original. Quote, A lot of moments in the animated show were iffy. 
Um, a quote tweet here by Brendan Hodges, one of the best people on Twitter who has brilliant take after brilliant take, him saying, the absolute worst kind of marketing for live action remakes of animated classics is an apology tour to how for how retrograde you think they are and how they needed to be fixed. This is the exact same thing as what, what, what did Rachel Zegler say? I even forgot at this point what her comments were, but yeah, something needed to be fixed. And this is also why um, what, what Hallie said about, you know, wanting to put more characterization on Ariel or even them changing a lyric to kiss the girl, I guess. Um, it's just ultimately unnecessary change for what ultimately like what what's the point here and my comments were i like how this happens every time before a useless live action remake comes out the people attached tell on themselves how woefully inept they were prepared to do this and how it never fucking works it's always going to be inferior because apparently things need to be altered for the sake of woke points but never because they want and i want to make again i'm using woke and not the way they they use it, but in a I have to use the word because we have, that's the word for it now. Uh, but never because they want to make an interesting choice or an adaption for the sake of the story. That's what it always comes mm-hmm. down to. It's like when when you think critically about this is the actor who was playing Sokka talking about how they had they felt impe- compelled to remove those sexist elements because that can't fly in twenty twenty three. But you're kind of telling on yourselves like you you couldn't sit. Nobody involved in the show could think for two minutes about how that can very easily begin to completely decimate the character's growth or arc of any kind. And I have some it's, wonder. It's yeah, so go ahead. Crazy. I don't understand it. This is this is what Sokka has. Like he's the only like. <laughs> While you compose yourself, some of the comments are uh, that I read, are they going to remove the, the genocide committed by the Fire Nation for being iffy too? <laughs> oh my god. But isn't it part of his main character arc? Bring back it's literally what It's literally why he like gets with Suki in the end. Like... <laughs> God forbid a character has to learn a lesson and become a better person. <laughs> and then like you mentioned, yes, let's dumb things down for a modern audience and take away the growth of his character. His respect for the Kyoshi warriors was due to the fact that he was super sexist to them, got schooled, and then humbled himself. That humility led to his training with them. What is there left if you remove that? Exactly. And then this whole thing of, like, what the this person said of dumbing down, like, they, ah, <laughs> it just gets me so angry. They, they worked so hard to, you know, people fought them on how, like, you know, the, the topics that they were talking about, the, you know, it, there's literally genocide in this show. And it's a kid's show. People fought them so hard um, to, to change all of this. And they, they fought back saying, no, like, yes, they're kids, but kids are way smarter than, you know, like, than what we adults think, you know. It's just, it's so annoying. I mean, like, what? 
how can you be enthusiastic about this after hearing this? Like, you have to think to yourself, like, well, because honestly, not we haven't seen a single episode, but just this kind of comment is very telling. It's so telling because of how disastrous it is. Like, if you already fucked up this much on one of the main characters... <laughs> What does that foretell for everything else that's up ahead? David, how do you feel about all, all of this? Um, it's kind of confusing for me. I don't know. Because, like, you guys are um, you guys are mentioning that, you know, it's very important for his character. But I can only think of two moments that it's kind of important for his character. <laughs> like that. And, like, in that episode, yes. But I can also think of in the third season when he's learning how to, like, sword fight. Um with the one guy, I can't remember his name, but like, you know, he learned sword fighting in the Fire Nation, basically. And that's really the only other moment where I think it's important um, because of the whole Kyoshi thing. Because in the Kyoshi thing, um, yeah, you mentioned like he kind of like humbled himself and realizing like, okay, I shouldn't underestimate any other warrior and all that. And I should like be. But that's I like should, a huge I should accept humility and learn from others and all that. And so when he goes into when he learns uh, sword fighting in the third season, that's kind of another moment where he kind of like he he learns humility. But instead of like <laughs> underestimating the opponent, it's sort of I guess dishonoring or disrespecting the teacher and slash the other warrior slash um uh, opponent. Because remember, he gets down on his knees and it's like, I'm sorry, but I've been lying to you this whole time. I'm not some honorable warrior. And then that's kind of like, that's the moment where his teacher is like, no, you are an honorable. Fights him first, but then tells him later on, he's like, you are honorable. And that's sort of like the only two but, moments but where I can think of that it's important. And I just don't see it anywhere else. <laughs> like, I don't know. And so with this one, I know it is important for that specific episode. Like he, that is, yeah, it's like, that is a moment for him which is that. by the way i mean not for nothing that was a pretty foundational episode for the relationship of Sokka and suki for sure like that's yeah. where it begins so you have to think to yourself if you're going to replace this well what are you going to use instead because you're still going to have suki and you're still going to have Sokka be a thing because you you're so hell-bent on this being a carbon copy mm -hmm. but if you're replacing this what are you going to replace it with? And is it ultimately not going to feel like it's just a useless replacement? And it's going to feel kind of weird. It's going to feel like one of those things that they add in. And like, what? It, because the best version of this already fucking exists. Going back to the uselessness of a live action remake, Alexis. It's, I think that like for him, it shows in a lot of different ways, though. Like you have the episode where they meet Toph and how like, you know, he couldn't believe that Toph could be the way that she is. Um, like, just in different ways, That that's how his character grows. Again, each character has different things that they go through. This is, like, his thing. And, and you also have to think, like, it's not going to be the same amount of episodes. No. What else are they going to do? Mm-hmm with him and his character growth. Yeah, I mean, that is the other big question for me. Like I said, like, doesn't seem that important to me. I don't know. It's just, like, I think you can do something different. The only thing, though, is I don't know what you can do differently in that moment. Maybe it can be this whole thing that, like, it's not so much that he's underestimating it, but he's kind of, like, wants to push them farther, see, like, how, how strong of warriors they are, 
And maybe you can add a moment where it's because he's worried about his sister. You know, she may know water burning, but she doesn't know how to fight. And so maybe she kind of like sees his sister and with them wants to like see if they are like strong warriors or something. I don't know. So, I mean, there are other things to do, but it won't be the same <laughs> as the original. Yeah, that that's what we're trying. Like, it won't be mm-hmm. as effective. Mm-hmm. Which is ultimately a loss. Um, but then again, I think the bigger point is not necessarily the specific moments where he was shown to be somewhat of a sexist, but it kind of implies that, oh, wait a minute here. If these people have already, like, if we already know of some ways they have misunderstood some aspects of how things are supposed to work, it just leaves your mind going down a rabbit hole of like all the different possibilities where once again, I don't understand what is going on lately in these last few years where we have people working on these projects who fundamentally just do not understand the projects they're a part of. Like, I mean, think about how badly J.J. Abrams misunderstood Star Wars. (laughs) And I mean specifically with the last movie. He hasn't worked a day since. Do we even know he was alive? <laughs> no one knows where he is. No, he was there at the strikes. <laughs> oh, was he? Yeah, wasn't he? I could have sworn I saw pictures. <laughs> I think we even commented I, like, oh, wow, he's out of the shadows or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> out of the shadows into the light. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was pretty fucking funny. Um, yeah, look, this thing has a uphill battle. Um, because, you know, DiMartino and Kunetsko left. That's never a good sign. It's kind of like I mentioned, it's the kiss of death. These particular <laughs> comments do not bode well. Yeah. On top of the just the usual problems that exist when you adapt the exact same story from one medium to the next. <sighs> it's like you want it to do good. And look, not for nothing... There are some examples in Netflix's recent repertoire that have shown to be somewhat successful. We all want to point to one piece as one thing as working out well. Okay, so it's not unprecedented that something can work, but it's ultimately unlikely that it will. Mm -hmm. Considering we have a huge mountain of projects, of adaptations that have shown to be quite abysmal. Um, So, and by the way, we haven't, we, we don't really talk about it a lot, but like this franchise has already withstood one disappointing live action adaptation. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, by the way, pretty amazing how it's withstood that because that was, I mean, I want to say that was quite, e- I mean, not just bad, but it was quite <laughs> easily one of the most infamous disasters in film of the 21st century. Yeah. At least for us. Yeah. Like, it was very yeah. clearly, like, one of the biggest just, like... What? Whoa. <laughs> like, dropping the ball just completely. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, it's like, you probably can't get any worse than that. And it probably won't. But that doesn't mean... I don't mean, think so. You can't. But like, that doesn't I think mean that, you can't fail in new ways. Yeah. I think that, you know, we are still going to watch it. Um... Because it's still, you know, it's a great story, in this world. Know? Yeah. And and we never, like, go into things, think like, hoping that it'll be bad. 
uh, we've said this like a million times. We always go into things hoping to obviously enjoy it. Because why would you? Although there are some like things, Ahsoka, you know. like the Ahsoka yes. show that we all sat here and watched <laughs> for eight weeks. Although ultimately yeah. we kind of had our suspicions that it wasn't going to be that great. And yet somehow we have to give it credit. Um, our expectations were blown away, but not in the direction we wished uh, they were. Yes. So actually, actually, pretty fucking embarrassing. That honestly, like looking back on it, that has to be one of the most embarrassing shows I've ever seen. Like embarrassing for everybody involved. <laughs> like what? What yeah. more? What more is there to be said? But apparently, there's a season two coming. Oh no! Oh, my God. <sighs> so, and David know. already said we're not reacting to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so yeah, that's bad. Anyway, bad. Uh, yeah. Uh, you want to talk about the trailer? Because uh, well, it came out this past week, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we have thoughts? Uh, it looks fun. Um, the CGI, it's like not perfect or anything, but it looks cartoonish enough, you know, like, if you get what I mean, basically, because I, I do like in the end, this show is still for kids and all that. And so I don't mind it it's still look the and the CGI doesn't have to be perfect for me. I, I like the cartoonish look of it that they're trying to go for, especially when you see Boomy. Uh, in that, and like people pointed out that he still has like the giant hairy armpits <laughs> and all that. So it's like, okay, they're trying to go fun, kind of cartoonish and all that. And it can work. Um, One Piece is like the perfect example of like, they really try to make it look cartoonish as they could. Um, and weird. There's like a character who's like a chef and he has, he, his, um, hat is just like 10 feet long or something. So like, you know, they, they, they have fun with like the cartoonish side of things. And I kind of, and I think that that's actually kind of like key to keep in mind here. Um, that's an element that the live action Disney remakes steered away from, and I think as we have concluded time and time again, they ended up uh, producing some pretty nightmarish results in some of those character design translations. But I think there is a lot more success to be found in the hybrid uh, kind of live action remakes where they try and do maintain a semblance of animated uh esqueness to the designs i think to me the ones and i that they've proven most successful would be the sonic movies i haven't seen them but they seem to be very popular also detective pikachu uh wasn't had a nice balance of this as well so i i I will agree with you um i i when i saw the uh, I think the one glimpse we had of Momo, I'm like, whoa, okay, that that that, that I can I can vibe with that. That's good. I can. That, there's a creature and it's showing some emotion. Go fucking figure. Mm. So there's that. Um, I did already see some people just like taking some side by side, uh comparisons because that's what's going to happen again you're going to have a lot of similar scenes but some people that i saw on twitter were taking one of the more memorable sequences when uh fire lord ozai burns zuko um and comparing the animated version to the live action and how diminished it looks like which is what happens when you take an animation and turn it into real life it just feels so much smaller like again 
I think we have a new crowning uh, example after watching Little Mermaid 2023. That fucking rock somehow being paraded around as the palace. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Like, <laughs> there's so many examples of the downgrade of animation to live action. Like, or even, speaking of Ahsoka, Ahsoka how they have to they had to rely on a fog machine <laughs> for various different sets in that one episode. Yeah. Like, oh, now we're in this planet. Now we're in that planet. Although all you see is fog. Yeah. And silhouettes. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. I kind of just blocked that whole thing out of me. So it's like, yeah, it looked okay, maybe even good, you know, but <sighs> we'll we've see. been here before. Yeah. We'll see, but we kind of know what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> rhymed. Uh, I will say, too, some oh. of the casting, it's pretty good. The Zuko's dad. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, perfect. the casting. Uh, um, yeah. Fucking Uncle Iroh. He yeah. is fantastic for that role for sure i'm so excited for him (laughs) yeah of course as with anything else uh with any project uh you hope the best for the actors involved Mm -hmm. um no matter the project itself so there is that um unless you're aquafina in in which case i mean all you're there to do is make money um by cashing a check literally to just do the same voice for every animated... Like, apparently, she has to be in every animated movie. So, you just saw her in that fucking bird illumination film, whatever that was. You just saw her in Little Mermaid. Now you're going to catch her. Now she's now she's in one of... She's one of the main characters in Kung Fu Panda 4. Hmm. Hey. I, you, can't, you, you can't make this up. Um... She's bringing in that money. Yeah. And I am not. So. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Anywho, moving on now to our next topic here. Uh, Listen. Okay. This is Barbie. Mm. There may be a helicopter flying overhead. So if if you hear any noise, just know that that's what it is. I'm not being bombed. Um. It's just that. I can't even begin to fathom the week that we just went through regarding Barbie. Because it took on like nine different lives. And every single day. It really did. (laughs) Every day it kept mutating into something completely different and not necessarily for the better. It kind of like, and it got away from itself. It came back and then it it lost itself again. It was like, what happened? Like, I'm literally, I'm just left speechless at like the the events that unfolded. But I actually do want to take the time to play a clip here um, by... Um, one of the big picture, um, hosts, her name is Amanda. She had a pretty inspirational rant about what I feel kind of summarizes 
the week that we experienced, okay? Uh, so I'm gonna play it for you right now, because I honestly feel it's a pretty hilarious recap of what this week was. And Hillary Clinton, of course. <laughs> I asked you guys to stay offline. You know? I asked you. I told you not to post. And look, here we are. Once again, somehow roped into the same-ish box as Hillary Clinton. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm angry about. I, I, as I said, I was not angry about the nominations. I understood. I didn't agree with all of it. But I am fucking angry that somehow I had to deal with Hillary Clinton again. Hillary Clinton, go do something. Like, honestly, we have problems. Like, I'm, I'm serious. Like, multiple horrific conflicts in the world. Climate change. Like, if, if it needs to be a girl boss thing, then, like, pay equity, maternal health. The fact, like, the fact that it takes six months to get a gynecologist appointment. I'm still paying taxes on tampons. Like, there are a lot of issues. But not this. Get Go away. Go do something. By the way, again, this all started with the Oscar nominations and then somehow we ended up into Hillary Clinton territory all over again. Like this is an example of like where it like it even involved <laughs> what in it uh the, John the, Stamos. Oh god, it, uh, I, uh, the view had a oh, whole yeah. uh, and when it gets to the view, well, I mean, that's when you know the conversation has devolved completely and got away from itself and I'm sure and look, I just want to try to parse through this to Hillary Clinton, to the ladies on The View, to all the right-wing um, con artists who l live for this stuff so they can get a paycheck. Get fucked. Uh, the idea that we're here and we have to talk about a wonderful movie, Bob, Bar Bobby, Barbie, Bobby, and <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a Freudian slip for what's going on here? Um, the fact that we have to involve a wonderful movie like that with all of your nasty asses, um, especially when there was, I, I think a lot of us feel that there was a real injustice done here. And yet we can't focus on that because that was, that, that, that isn't the issue anymore. Like when, when the nominations came out on Tuesday and on Wednesday, look, there was legitimate frustrations and anger to be had at the outcome of what happened. Some of which Alexis particularly predicted would happen and how she would feel when they happened weeks ago. So that was the natural wave of the discourse. And then people went super hard in the other direction which then caused a backlash and made all of us look bad for even suggesting that Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie not being included were snubs like that's how like it, it's been pushed this way and that way to where first we were like how dare they and now we're like stop hitting us like seriously they were robbed mm -hmm. like why, why can't we have that opinion and now it's like blown out of proportion and then people are saying well you know the academy nominated one woman and how how we should be happy about that there is so much here hillary clinton coming in here and, and sending in a tweet about how 
an injustice was made. And then she, of course, does what she does best and then ruins it for everybody and makes us all look even worse <laughs> for having the opinion in the first place. What the fuck? Like, I, I'm even having a hard time articulating what this even was about in the end yeah. because it sure as hell wasn't what it was in the beginning. Because in the very beginning, Alexis and I had the same thought where like, and, and a lot of, I would say, well-intentioned people had the same thought where it was like, how do you nominate this one movie for eight things, including Best Picture, but you don't when they're women? And by the way, that isn't and should not be an outlandish thing to say when these people for have a long track record of being discriminatory towards women. And just because they happen to nominate a woman in the director's branch should not mean that they should be shielded or bodyguarded from any kind of criticism. It's, it's, it's obscene to me how people are suggesting that Greta Gerwig specifically was excluded from the director's branch simply because um, anything else that has nothing to do with sexism. I will grant you that Barbie is not the kind of film any Academy voter would prefer over any of the ones that were nominated. I will grant you as well that Barbie being such a populist film automatically gives it such an uphill, you know, battle to climb, uphill to climb because in this branch specifically, they don't nominate directors that do big films, which, by the way, is horseshit. Because you're going to sit here and tell me that James Cameron shouldn't have been nominated last year for, for a $2 billion grossing film, which is one of the best looking films ever to be made? You're telling me that Denny Villeneuve shouldn't have been nominated for Dune two years ago? When that film itself received 10 other nominations? You're telling me that Christopher Nolan shouldn't have been nominated for The Dark Knight. <laughs> this happens again and again and again. So look, I grant you, these are realistic problems that exist in the director's branch specifically. But just because these things are true, and just because they also happen to nominate a woman, does not mean they're not sexist. Does not mean they don't discriminate towards women. I mean, the idea that they can only nominate one <laughs> out of, I don't know how many female directors somehow means that that's enough. All of a sudden, that's good enough. But in years prior, you would be like, with your pitchforks and torches out on the streets, is it because it's involving a film you made me not so crazy about? And isn't that pretty freaking telling? And it also is more egregious when you consider the fact that not only was this the most successful film of the year, not only was it the most successful film for that given studio, but it also happened to be the most successful film to ever be helmed by a female director. On top of the fact that on paper, no way in hell should a Barbie film been allowed to be anywhere near as good as this was, anywhere near as cohesive, anywhere near as collectively put together under an autoristic 
idea and vision. The film may not have the most obviously or fanciest ha- camera hand handling or directed scenes as Oppenheimer or Flower Moon or Poor Things or even Anatomy of a Fall. But the directing is more than just how interesting of a place you put the camera or where you hold it. It's about does your film fucking work at the end of the day? And the idea that this film actually ended up being pretty great when no one was expecting it to be when it was first announced is a directorial achievement in and of itself. The fact that it exists, it is coherent, and it is beloved is an achievement and should be recognized more, I will even say it, more than Cameron, more than Nolan, more than Villeneuve, because those films had a... You can switch other direction and they might have a pretty good chance of being good. This Mm -hmm. was a singular story that only Greta Gerwig could tell. Nobody else could tell this story the way that she did. Okay? And so what I was really upset by in, in the initial day and the days to come, especially after Hillary Clinton came and ruined it for the rest of us, was that there are legitimate things here to be upset over. And yet, we can't have that opinion anymore because then we're going to be lumped in with people who are like, that want to burn the whole place to the ground. And even worse, we want to, we don't want to be seen to be aligned with people who the only film they watched was Barbie. And that's also not a good place to come from because you, you don't, you're not really a film person. You're just, you're a celebrity person or, a, or you're maybe just a Barbie person and you're angry. But we collectively here speak from a perspective of having watched the majority of these contenders. And the other thing is this idea that it wasn't a snub. What do you, what else do you call a situation that happened at Greta Gerwig? Greta Gerwig had been getting in at all the precursors for direction. She got in at the Globes. She got in at Critics' Choice. Sure, she may have missed at BAFTA, but she got in at the Directors Guild of America. That's the definition of a snub, where you get in at all the precursors, but you miss out on the Oscar ones, which is why snub is a term. Yeah. And that's not even getting and, and honestly, it's worse when you consider Margot Robbie, because Margot Robbie got everything she got globe critics choice screen actors guild bafta she got all of the nominations for best actress and still (laughs) still when it came to the nominations she was left off the list you can feel however you want about it but that's a snub and for us to pretend that it's not is a fucking lie but then again we could we, we we couldn't handle (laughs) <laughs> that kind of intellectual honesty. And so what happened is we as a, as humans do what we do best and we just turned it into a fucking deranged, brain-dead, devolved <laughs> argument where nobody wins and we all lose. Those are my feelings on it. Alexis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
I think, like, my biggest uh, annoyance of all of this is the fact that, like... Can you name just uh, one? I mean, <laughs> there's multiple, but this is, like, my biggest one, that you can have both conversations of Margot not getting nominated over Ryan getting nominated. I didn't even forget. I forgot to mention Ryan. That makes it look even worse is the fact that the man <laughs> got yes. the nomination. And the but you wi- can also have the conversation yeah. of good for him. He deserves it. And good for America Ferreira. She deserves it. Like yeah. you can have both conversations. We're not like or, it's not or like, even it's worse. It's never Alexis. just black and white. Like you can have yeah. all of these things and still like and you you're not like a horrible person if you mm. you know like if you have both conversations and or if you want to have one conversation of the over the other like both things can be you know happening mm. at once it's okay the thing with that though is how mm, what bothered me the most was the people's defense on Ryan Gosling's like getting a nomination and all that because now for me specifically you know, if Bobby didn't get an award, like, at all, like, none of these awards, I would have been perfectly fine with it. Like, I it doesn't... I did not... Which, to, I to enjoyed be fair, the movie. though, we're, we're, not, we're not referring to wins. Yeah. We're just talking about nominations. Yeah, like, like we, we, yeah. we know it's not going to win much of anything, but just talking about no. the nominations. Mm-hmm. But from, just to be clear no, about yeah, that. But for me, like, I love the movie, but, like, if it... I don't think... If it didn't get any nominations, I would have been perfectly fine with it. Like, that's me. Right. But it is weird, though... <laughs> Like you give it to Ryan Gosling, but don't give it to Greta Gerwig, Ger- Ger- Greta Gerwig, and um, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Like, where's where's the thought process on that? You know, and especially for Greta Gerwig, like you give her all these other the movie gets all these other nominations, but you don't give it to the director. Like, she's the reason why part of the reason why Ryan Gosling is so great in that movie, and then and people go. It's like, yeah, Ryan Gosling deserves it because he people love his character the most. He was the most fun character and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's not an excuse, though. Like, <laughs> Margaret Robbie still gave a great performance. And if, he, if you're deciding on, like, which character was the favorite, first of all, any franchise that you can think of, people will side with, people will love the side character more. Like, we were talking about Last Airbender. People love Aang, but people will name any other character as a favorite besides Aang. Luke, people love Luke Skywalker Black, in the Black Panther franchise. In, in, I mean, I would even say that while we had issues with Wakanda Forever, that kind of was a better movie, and the main character was ended up replaced because the actor passed away. And even in the first film, he was the least interesting part of that movie. Yeah, but like you, like uh, same thing. With, uh, what was mentioned? Um, Luke Skywalker. People love Luke, mm-hmm. but they'll name Han or Leia as their favorite character. They even name R two as their favorite character. Then. Luke Skywalker, like this, that, or C three PO. Don't forget three PO. Yeah, like people will name any other character other than the main character as their favorite in a lot of other franchises. So like you saying like, oh well, people, this is the people's favorite. It's like that doesn't matter. (laughs) Like Margaret Robbie still gave a great performance. She was the one that like acted the shit out of (laughs) the role. Uh, and that's not, not saying that he shouldn't get nominated because of his performance or anything like that. Like he still was hilarious. Yeah, I agree. But like. I think it should have been both instead of just one. <laughs> yeah. And so. And, and, um, and, you know, you mentioned that I had said something about it last time we talked. 
And and I, I think we both said, like, I don't think that it's going to win, which is yeah. fine. It's just, it's so annoying that he got nominated and she didn't, especially with this movie. The message of this film, exactly. right, is the idea of how um, women basically have to be perfect and yet they still pale in comparison to men who don't even have to try. And that's why... That's Ryan Gosling's thing, though. (laughs) He wasn't... Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't act or anything like that. I never want to be an actor. So, like, obviously, I'm saying that it was easy for him to do this. But, like, he was just being funny. He did whatever he wanted. That scene with the whole... Where, like... Uh, Barbie asked him like to go to the beach or something and he goes back inside the house and he just goes sublime or something like that he did like 20 takes of that saying different things just whatever comes to his mind literally anything that came yeah. to mind and hello Greta Gorg was the one that chose this is the one and we all laughed our asses off like this is why like it's so yeah this is why she should have gone for a director because she knew what like which yeah one specifically of his chaotic acting <laughs> that he made into his movie, like she knew which one to choose that would make it that would get laughs. I mean, to be clear and to be fair, um, that isn't to suggest that Gerwig or Robbie were like not given some kind of nominations because both uh, Gerwig and her husband Noah Baumbach they wrote the screenplay for Barbie. They were nominated in screenplay, adapted screenplay. Um, and then Margot Robbie was nominated as a producer for Barbie Which in Best well Picture. Deserved. Well deserved. So, I mean, they did have something to hold on to, but you can just imagine what it felt like to be them. And to yeah. be, and how, how do you not take it as like, well, all these other people had <laughs> us in the conversation and then when we get to the Academy Awards, we're just replaced? And then... And th- look, the internet is so brain dead to think that by complaining somehow means that we're also tearing down Gosling and Ferreira is just so stupid and idiotic. But then some people took it even further by saying that because of the way that we were feeling meant that we had animosity toward Justine Triet or um, Anatomy of a Fall uh, getting Ooh. nominated. Like, that that's not the same thing. Justine did an amazing job directing uh, Anatomy of the Fall and she is deserving, more than deserving of that nomination. Um, but why would we then be... Not be, be ac- happy for that. Yeah. Again, it's this thing of like, you can have... But you can not, see both things at the same time. But like, it's, just, it's just like, you're missing the point of Barbie. Like, well, why are we pitting women against each other? Why, yes, why, why, yes. Was, why was this framed as like, well, it either had to be Justine or Greta. Or even worse, that you weren't, uh, because, like, you know, they're white and powerful, whatever, that it's somehow less for, uh, Lily Gladstone or for America Ferreira. Like, no, what the, that's, that's insane. That, that's crazy. So, um, I mean, we knew it was going to happen. And then when it happened, it was just like, those, those bitches, man. They did it. They fucking did it. <laughs> and we got to remember, though, it's like, here's the other part uh, of the equation that really isn't being talked about, but also surprised me because a lot of these people should know better. 
Who are we talking about again? Oh, that's right. The Academy. They live on the ability of being able to exclude as many people as mm -hmm. possible. Do we really think at no that that the idea of purposefully excluding Robbie and Gerwig from those categories was not at play? From some of those voters, especially when every single year, when those secret interviews and, and, and how those uh, Oscar voters personally voted and their awful takes and tastes are exposed, are we really going to put it past those people to specifically not vote for them for reasons like these? Come on, grow up. But that's what it's like. I, let's have an honest conversation here. But we can't because it has to always be a binary. And when it is, it completely just implodes and devolves to the point where everybody feels like they have to have an opinion about it. And it's just like, well, <laughs> anywho, um, that's on Barbie. Um I don't know what more I can say <laughs> about it, but it, it it's just um I I personally just feel like the artistic achievements of that film somehow have become in this Academy Award space controversial or are being put in doubt. Yeah. Like that wasn't an achievement. Yeah. It was. They pulled it off. In ways none of us expected. It was one of the most unique experiences, not only of last year, but of the last several years. It was the cultural behemoth. And you know the part that makes it even more, maybe not disingenuous, well, a little bit disingenuous, but also just disheartening, was the idea that we all know the other elephant in the room, the other half of Bar Barbenheimer is Oppenheimer. But here's the thing. Christopher Nolan films don't typically get close to a billion dollars on his name alone. You know, I think a Christopher Nolan film, you can bet on a 500 to $700 million gross on a good day, on a good year. But it almost crossing a billion dollars? That's what we call the Barbie effect. That's what makes us even more kind of insulting was that the, the industry is giving Oppenheimer way more nominations than it needs, like getting into costumes and makeup and when over other films, but Barbie, Barbie fueled a lot of the money that Oppenheimer ended up making. Barbie helped get that film seen by a lot of people who ordinarily wouldn't give a rat's ass. Yeah, which, good. Good. Not complaining about but that. But what's not good is now we're at a point where we're selectively just going to ignore that happened. The same way, as a matter of fact, Christopher Nolan likes to ignore it happened. <laughs> Let's be real about this. The man has not once said anything 
about Barbie. Yeah. And, and and the thing is, I, I, I'm sure, he, I don't know if he's in denial or if he just doesn't want to say or admit or, or say out loud that the it wasn't solely because of his brand alone that caused that film to be as successful as it was. You got to thank Greta Gerwig. You got to you got to thank um the whole team at Barbie for making that happen. Like we got to and I I just, I I'm I fear that we're losing perspective on that, you know? And by the way, just his refusal to even acknowledge Barbie is one of the little things about him that just makes puts him at a distance from mm-hmm. me. You know, it's like Dude, come on. You don't gotta yeah. be that Margo way. Margo has literally, like, come out and been like, no, like, that movie was great. Yeah. And, you know, Oppenheimer. And talks about Oppenheimer all the time. Also, like, don't you want to have fun with, like, your fellow directors and filmmakers? Like, yeah. why do you want to like, put yourself in the bubble? Whatever. To each their own, I mm. guess. <laughs> yeah. Just be nice. I don't know. <laughs> So, yeah, there, there was there was a lot there, and um, anyway, let's get on to um, the Oscar nominations, which were they are what they always are. Some good, some bad, mostly just kind of blah and uninteresting. And before I even like get into any of that. I feel that despite the fact and despite Joe Coy's best efforts, I think we're living in an award season where somehow the Golden Globes have kind of won already prematurely. Not in the sense that it had or is going to have the best telecast, but it sure as hell had the best nominees by a fucking mile. And that's not even a, that's not even a con, that's not even a question. The Globes came out and had the best nominees. Yeah. Because these nominees that the the Academy released were pretty... Eh. And some were pretty... What the fuck? You know? So, hey, that's not the worst case you know, scenario to live in. Um, but people are not going to see it that way at least some of them won't anyway i'm gonna go ahead and read from cbs um uh just that basically summarizes what happened right so oppenheimer led the oscar nominations with 13 nods followed by poor things with 11 nominations the academy awards uh follow a year that saw barbenheimer phenomenon of barbie and um the world war ii biopic uh oppenheimer um, this year's announcement wasn't without its share of surprises. It never is. <laughs> With no best director nomination for Greta Gerwig for Barbie, she and Noah Baumbach were nominated for the movie's adapted screenplay and no acting nomination for Margot Robbie, who was the producer of the best picture nominee, Barbie. Um, in a statement by Ryan Gosling, to say that I'm disappointed that they are not nominated in their respective categories would be an understatement. Past Oscar winner Leonardo DiCaprio, who starred in Flower Moon, also didn't receive an acting nomination this year. Meanwhile, DiCaprio's co-star Gladstone, Lily Gladstone, became the first Native American to be nominated for Best Actress. 
America Ferreira scored a Best Supporting Actress nomination for her performance in Barbie after she wasn't nominated for a Golden Globe. And Justine Triet uh, became the eighth woman nominated for Best Director. <laughs> the eighth woman. These are, let me check here. These are the 96th Academy Awards. The, there was a tweet somebody did that they said, um, hey, Academy, it's okay to nominate more than one woman. <laughs> You're allowed to. It's okay. <laughs> and by the way, I feel bad also for Celine Song, for the, the director of Past yes. Lives. Yes. Oh, my God. She was in in the in the mix, and then she was kicked out because again, one woman apparently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, Justine Trier becomes the eighth woman only nominated uh, in Best Director. The awards show will be held on March 10th, hosted by Jimmy Kimmel for the fourth time. Uh, one bit of a programming note, just in case, because it kind of flew under the radar. Um, Jack. That's his name, right? Jack Quaid or Dennis? Quaid? Yeah, Jack Quaid uh, mm-hmm. said that because uh, he was uh, one of the presenters alongside Zazie Beats. He said that there was a change in the time that the Academy Awards are going to air. So what usually happens is they air at eight uh, p.m. Eastern, five p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So for us on the West Coast, it would begin at five. However. They're starting an hour earlier this year, so instead of it being at 5, it will start at 4 p.m. Don't really know what's behind that. There was no indication or any further reporting that I have seen to suggest why they're doing that, but who knows? Anyway, um, yeah, it's really, really interesting here. Um, I, I'm going to get through the nominees as quickly as I can. Um, I actually printed them out because I was not going to fucking write them because there's like so many of them. So I'm not going to like waste so like pages and pages of like, <laughs> of like, I'm just writing it when I can just like have it out here. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm not doing that this year. Um, only for the top 10. So let's start with best picture. They have, they had 10 movies here. The nominees were American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Do you two have anything here that you object to being included and or things that you would have preferred to have been included for best picture? I do, obviously, but I'll let you <laughs> speak first. Um, was, um, song, what's the word called? Past Um, Lives. Past Lives, yes. yes. Past Lives only received two nominations. Uh, for Best Picture and for Best Original Screenplay. It didn't even get cinematography? No. Mm, that's weird. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I don't think so. Okay. Um, so films that were vying for this spot that missed out include May-December, Saltburn, the Color Purple, 
in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Which, now that we're saying it, yeah. Mm. How is it that that isn't one of the best movies of the mm -hmm. year? Because it is. David. Uh, Well, for Spider-Verse, I'm holding out that maybe the third one's good, and then they'll finally be like, all right, let's give it to them this time, you know? Same thing, I mean, that's what they did with, like, um, Lord of the Rings. Toy Story. Uh, Oh, well, yeah. yeah, Toy Story 2. Toy Story, yeah, the, the, the same situation happened with Toy Story, but to be fair, though, um, uh, d- when Toy Story 1 and 2 came out, those were in days where, at that point, the only film to ever be nominated for Best Picture in the animation category, in the uh, an animated movie, was Beauty and the Beast. That was mm-hmm. it. And then Toy Story 3 was the third. That was the last one to be nominated, because it was up and then Toy Story 3. Yeah. For Best Picture, to be clear. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you're saying that when the third movie comes out, then they'll recognize it? Uh, yeah. Um, At least that's my hope. Um, the one that I would have liked, actually, um, Godzilla Minus One. I think that one definitely deserves it, especially uh, with its budget and how it can make it super, super great. I mean, he definitely deserves it. Would you Would you take anything out? Um, it would probably, I mean, there's mostly just because I haven't seen these two, uh, American Fiction and Zone of Interest. Those are the only ones I would take out. Yeah. Poor Things. Um, wait. <clears throat> yeah, Poor Things. I, I haven't seen that one, but like I feel like that one's getting more compliments than the other two that I mentioned. Uh, everything else. Oh, wait. Maestro. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, but I don't know about that one. <laughs> I've seen every movie on here except for The Zone of Interest, but I would actually keep it in because I have no doubt that it is very deserving of being in here considering its subject matter. Again, that's a film about um, mm-hmm. vacationing Nazis near uh, Auschwitz. So, you know, fun time for the family. Um, Jesus Christ. I, I wouldn't have included Saltburn. Um, I would have just for the laughs. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I gotta be honestly here. I would have just for the laughs and for the entertainment of it, you know? I, I, Did I, it I, at least get something? No. Zero. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem considering, yeah. you know, it, it had been getting in at other places. Saltburn did get a Best Picture nomination from the BAFTAs and the Critics' Choice Awards. And then Barry Keoghan was also nominated at BAFTA, Critics' mm-hmm. Choice, and also Golden Globes. So, you know, it it had been around in the mix. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't doing overwhelmingly good to be confident about it. But uh, to me, if there was one, pl- well, there's actually several things you could have nominated it for, honestly, if you ask me. Um, mm-hmm. maybe not Barry because it was a, st- I only, only have five, so I get it, but I would have considered him. But I think the one that it barely missed out on was screenplay. And mm-hmm. they chose to go with May, December instead of Saltburn. And I mm. have now seen May, December. I saw it this past week. Mm. I I need to see it because I know the subject that it talks about and I, I don't know what is being said in the movie. So I am interested in seeing it because it's, I mean, it's a strange topic, but I don't know. I'll, you know, made it, it only got one nomination. May, December, that was his only nomination was for screenplay. So again, it, Saltburn and May, December were like fighting for its one inclusion in here. Um, what about um the Zac Efron movie? The Iron Claw should have definitely been in the conversation, but the problem was it was a, de- a late December release 
Nobody saw it. Nobody wanted to see it in these groups because they already had their, their set number of films. And so they missed the cutoff point, which is a shame. And also A24 should have just pushed it to this because A24 already had Zone of Interest and Past Lives. And so the Iron Claw mm -hmm. got the short shrift. They uh, should have waited. Yeah. They should have waited because of everything else. They should have gotten Dang. in for... You could I even, do feel bad because I've heard a lot of good things. Yeah, I've seen it. It's great. And it should have been included at least for Zac Efron, maybe even for makeup as well. Like there, There's some great things to nominate it for. Saltburn, I think, definitely should have been uh, considered it for gotten something. cinematography, yes. production design. Um, this is my... Set design? Well, yeah. That, that's the, that, so set is under production design. So oh, okay. the, that, that's what it is. My controversial uh i think it'll be considered controversial perspective is saltburn also should have been nominated for best sound editing because there is sound editing moments in the film that are among the most visceral moments involving sound in cinema of last year <laughs> So I think you just wanted it for them to play that scene. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, wouldn't that be amazing though to have that scene played at the Academy Awards? Which is probably why they didn't go for it. <laughs> if we're being honest. Um so uh, you know, yeah, there was that. <clears throat> um should May December have been considered for more? I it had great performances. I ultimately say I don't really know if I care about the movie all that much. I think it's technically good, but I I, I didn't find it all that enthralling, if I'm going to be honest with you. So I'm not terribly mad about that. Um, past Lives, I think, deserved a lot more than just those two nominations. But if we're going to talk about what deserved to be in Best Picture, well, I want to go back to what David was saying. Because you're saying that you're holding out hope for... Uh, the third film. Yeah. What I had said in the weeks leading up to this was if Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse can't do it, what animated movie can? Which is to say, how can you hope as an animated film to match or top what Across the Spider-Verse did in terms of what it delivered. Like, look, I, I you have to... Guys, please pinch me if I'm saying something out of term here. But I personally feel that Across the Spider-Verse is one of the most successful films of the 21st century. And is very easily one of the most visually dazzling films of the 21st century. And is a work of art and an achievement in filmmaking. It's all of those things, and it's still... And here's the thing, David. It's not just the fact that it couldn't get into Best Picture. It's that it couldn't get into anything outside of animation. Look at what's happening. This is the second year in a row where... Well, not even just the second year in a row. When was the last time we had an animated film get nominated for a category... That was an animated feature, especially when this year, Spider-Verse and the Boy and the Heron were getting consistently nominated for things outside of animation, including original score. 
where it damn well deserved both of those to be in that category. And what happened? They weren't there. Which goes back into the thinking is like, what happened to this fucking Academy where 10 years ago they were beginning to nominate animated films for screenplay and for score and for picture? What happened in these 10 years where we have films of the caliber of Del Toro's Pinocchio, of The Boy and the Heron, of Across the Spider-Verse, and they don't have a fucking chance to get into anything outside of animated mm-hmm. uh, feature category. So my thing is, if this couldn't do it, what will? Mm-hmm. That's pretty fucking pathetic to me. <laughs> <laughs> Nah. Yeah, there, to me, there's there's no excuse. There's just no excuse. Oh yeah, I mean, Spider both Spider Verse movies like deserve a chance at in um you know even like directing, best picture, and all that editing for sure. Um, screenplay, screenplay, production design, mm-hmm. visual effects, sound, score. Yeah, on um, my personal perspective, there should be a whole category created for soundtracks and this should also be included in that like there's a lot of things you could have nominated this for because because it happens to be an animated movie it's not considered a serious film Mm -hmm. which is ultimately why they even have an animated feature category in the first place was so they can just get away with ignoring it in the more serious categories i will say here um films that i would remove here now, this is just, it comes down to personal taste, right? Um, Maestro, Holdovers, and American Fiction are films that are, well, two of which are very good. One is not very good. But all three, I don't think, are among the the year's 10 best movies. So those are things that I would just remove off of my personal list. Maestro, I feel, has no business being anywhere near here. And honestly, I think American Fiction also just, I don't know what was going on. Well, actually, you know what? I do know what was going on was that this film was made with it counting on a large segment of white audiences to not understand that the film was making fun of them. And so it got nominated, of course. The nominations began, by the way, with Best Supporting Actor. And when they announced that it was Sterling K. Brown, I was like, oh, here we go again. Oh, boy. So, there's that. Um, Best Actor. Jeffrey Wright, American Fiction. Killian Murphy, Oppenheimer. Paul Giamatti, The Holdovers. Coleman Domingo for Rustin. And Bradley Cooper for Maestro. Um, I would make so many changes (laughs) to this category. It's not even funny. Um, Even though I want to say I am happy for Jeffrey Wright and Coleman Domingo for a lot. By the way, it is difficult for just one black man to be in Best Actor, specifically. Like, it is notoriously difficult for a black man to be nominated in this category. And for two of them to get in, great. But even more so, for the two that they are, Coleman and Jeffrey are veterans in this industry. And these are their first ever nominations. So, I'm happy for them personally, even though I don't think... Personally, those performances are among the best, or those films technically are among the best. So those would be two I would remove. Sorry, not sorry. Um, Bradley Cooper gave a technically great performance, but no one's going to remember that movie. So that's another one I would just remove. 
And so what would I replace those with? Zach Efron and the Iron Claw, Barry Keoghan, of course, <laughs> in Saltburn, and Andrew Scott in All of Us Strangers, uh, which if you haven't seen, is very good. And also a film that should have been considered for more things, including Best Picture. It's that good. Like I saw this film, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but I saw it in a in one of the AMC theaters a few weeks ago, um, and people couldn't stop crying. Like this, this film. I did uh, hear about that in yeah. that week's there, there was this one woman who had to <laughs> to remove herself not once but twice because she couldn't stop crying. I this, can't even imagine. This is a film that deals with um, a grown individual basically interacting with the ghosts of his parents that died no. horribly when they were young. The, no. Can't. That's no. cool. It is a great movie. It is one of the year's best. And it should have... Well, it didn't even get one nomination. As a matter of fact. And it also might have delivered career best performances by Jamie Bell. And, yeah, Jamie Bell's in this and he's amazing and should have been nominated. And Claire Foy. Claire Foy also <gasps> gave an amazing performance in this for supporting actress and was not anywhere I didn't near. Know Jamie Bell was in this. He's in I this. I freaking yeah. love Jamie Bell. Oh my god. Jamie Bell and Claire Foy play the parents. Stop. Um, no. What do you mean he plays a parent? He's Billy Elliot. <laughs> he is. But they're young parents. <laughs> that because, made me because, feel well, because so they're, they're young parents because they die young. That's the part I of the know, tragedy. But still. <laughs> He's still a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, I would say here, um, I cannot believe Leonardo DiCaprio wasn't in here. That was weird. Mm. Just crazy to me. Because that, I thought, was one of his better performances. But clearly nobody else thought so. Which is dumb. Um, your thoughts on this category? Um, I mean, obviously, Killian or Paula Giamatti is winning. Yeah, we know that. For sure. That, that's yeah. not even a question. And I think those are very deserved nominations. That's why I didn't even talk about them. Mm -hmm. um, but there are other things that should have been in consideration for this category. And I th again, it just feels like it's okay, but it could have been a lot better. Yeah. Similarly with supporting actor, Sterling K. Brown, American Fiction, Robert De Niro, Flower Moon, RDJ Oppenheimer, Gosling for Barbie, and then Ruffalo for Poor Things. Not much that I would change. Yeah. I would remove Sterling K. Brown easily and put in um, either Willem Dafoe or Dominic Sessa for The Holdovers. Um, or, you know what? Mine would be Jamie Bell. I would put Jamie Bell in here for uh, All of Us Strangers. I think he was so... like. Criminally overlooked. Mm, I would choose holdovers. I mean, his first Dominic, role, yeah. Like, I just want to see Jamie Bell. So, um. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, but David, I gotta say, my personal pettiness would not compel me to vote for him because if Gabriel Laval couldn't get in last year, Dominic is sure as hell not getting in this mm. year. Which is dumb that we didn't even, I know. Don't even get me started on that. Um, but, oh, you know who else, though, got. Milo, um, the kid that in the anatomy of a fall. Oh, uh, okay. He was also one of the ones that was in consideration. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, for this. So uh, that's another one you could have put. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh my God. I'm just, I'm like starting to remember now his scenes. I'm like, holy shit. There's that one yeah. D scene for him. Like, how the fuck did he yeah. get it? <laughs> yeah. So again, there were other, I'm, I'm happy Mark Ruffalo got in because he was in serious danger of missing out. But again, that, that's a career best performance from him. He definitely deserves to be in this category. Um, some people were saying Charles Melton. I saw the performance. I wasn't crazy about it. Maybe I'm the one that's crazy. Who knows? Um, actress in a supporting, I'm oh, sorry, in a leading role. <laughs> Annette Benning in Nyad. Um, Lily Gladstone in Flower Moon. Sandra Huller for Anatomy of the Fall. Carrie Mulligan for Maestro and Emma Stone for Poor Things. I would easily drop two of these people. <laughs> Annette Benning, um, nobody saw that movie. And Carrie Mulligan in Maestro. Not very many liked that movie. Um who would I put in? Lives. Well, to be actually you know what? I would also drop Lily. Because I don't think she belongs in this category. Uh-huh. I would put her in supporting. That's my my like crazy thing. I think she belongs in supporting, mm-hmm. not leading. So that's what I would personally do. I w- yeah, Greta Lee for past lives, definitely one. Um, yes, bitch, Margot Robbie for Barbie, two should have been in here. I'm not getting off of that. And three, Fantasia for the color purple. Mm. She was really good. That was her first film role too, and she should be here. Which is also another film that got done so dirty. Yeah. Only got one nomination, the color purple. So yeah, I would drop Lily and put her in supporting. She's still got nominated, but I wouldn't put her in leading. Yeah, she she deserves a nomination, uh, but it's also I mean she did win a couple. She won her. a lot. No, she won a lot. Um, yeah. But as we mentioned previously, like we're now in this awkward point where Emma seems to be on the hunt after winning Globe Critics Choice. And then she ended up getting nominated at a BAFTA. Lily did not get nominated there, which means Emma's going to win the BAFTA. So Lily has to win SAG. And if she doesn't win SAG, it's not looking great. Um, But again, this is what, and I've seen Emma Stone. She deserves it in that movie. Particularly, I mean, she deserves it. Um, Any other people who you you thought should have been considered for Best Actress that we hadn't been mentioning here? Or ones that we did mention? No, I think those are the ones. The ones, yeah. Okay. Actress in a supporting role, Emily Blunt Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks, The Color Purple, America Ferreira, Barbie, Jodie Foster, Nyad, and Divine Joy Randolph, The Holdovers. Okay. A lot of people have been moaning and whining and complaining about America Ferreira being in this category. What do you guys think? Um, I think it's fine. I can't really think of anyone else right now who could like replace her or anything. I mean, I I mean, ideally, it would have been Lily Gladstone. Um, and then, I don't and, think and that she because she would have won. It. No That's, offense, no, no offense to Dave Vine, Joy Randolph, but she wouldn't be winning a thing if Lily had sit in this category. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. th- this would be the one that was a lock mm-hmm. guarantee. Which is why look look at where we are right now. This is why we felt the way that we did back in October 
which is Lily Gladstone's Oscar is kind of in jeopardy and fading away because she's in lead. And now Dave and Joy Randolph has a guaranteed Oscar. But it wouldn't be that way if Lily had just stayed where she honestly should be. But it was what it was. Okay. Uh, I would say that I would keep Emily Blunt. Mm -hmm. I would keep Danielle Brooks. I would keep Dave and Joy Randolph for the holdovers. And the ones that I would put, well, there's a lot, actually. I would put in Taraji P. Henson is somebody who has been so underappreciated in this business. And she gave her absolute best performance in The Color Purple. So she should be here. At the same time, Claire Foy should be here for this movie in All of Us Strangers. Also, Rosamund Pike in Saltburn should be here. so um there were performances to consider and you know what i didn't even mention this in actor or, or in supporting actor but are we gonna forget about Tao Yu and um god damn it what's, yes. his, what's his other oh name my uh, god Tao Yu um and give me one second Tao Yu and john magaro john magaro in past lives yeah. i was actually thinking of john magaro for um, supporting, supporting actor. actor for sure just because I mean he had that one scene uh, when they were in the bed <laughs> that was great <laughs> <laughs> I can't I am just thinking about all the strangers now <laughs> you gotta see it oh my um, god I'm just scared I have been um, leaning against not watching things that make me cry so much or there's like this book that I really want to read, but everybody says that like you cry so much reading it that I'm like, well, I went there. <laughs> okay. Um, directing <sighs> a lot of changes I would make here. Uh, <laughs> Justine Trier, anatomy of a fall, Martin Scorsese, flower moon, Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer, Yoga Lanthimos, Poor Things, and Jonathan Glazer, the, um, the Zone of Interest. Um, where is Celine Song for Past Lives? I would put in Greta Gerwig for Barbie. Um, I also feel... Um, this one is kind of tough because I don't there, think that I would take anybody out. Mm-hmm. I just wish there was more space well, to put more people in. That's true. That's that's ultimately what it comes down to. It's like you don't want to take it away from anybody because they're all deserving in here, but there are other people who should be here, like Greta, like Celine. Uh, I'd like to make a case for Emerald because yeah. I re I rewatched Saltburn uh, yesterday and the day before, uh, and I feel like the direction of that film is pretty fucking great. But you know who else should be here, and I think who else deserves um, recognition. Uh, Thompson, Powers, and Dos Santos, the three co-directors of Across the Spider-Verse, and Hayao Miyazaki. Yes. Especially Hayao Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. Has he ever been nominated? <laughs> Not in Best Director. No, no animated director has ever been nominated for Best Director. Of course. No. He's won for Spirited Away. And he also happens to have an honorary Oscar. For whatever that's worth. 
Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, Hayao Miyazaki should you think would be at the very least on the list, but that didn't happen here. Um. So yeah, animated feature film Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nimona, Robot Dreams, and Across the Spider Verse. Um. What missed here? Mutant, uh, Mutant Mayhem missed mm-hmm. here. Um. Wish also missed, but nobody no, was sad about that. <laughs> <laughs> nobody was sad about that um elemental made it in which only goes to yeah. reinforce the strength of pixar have you seen um, it yet no i was actually asking david if we should do a um, reaction on that one or if not i could watch it on my own and we could just do a review it doesn't matter to me um but i will see mm-hmm. it but i haven't seen um the it just yet so oh yeah mario missed but nobody was expecting mario to be in here um so there's that adapted screenplay was american fiction barbie oppenheimer poor things and the zone of interest um i'm happy barbie is in here where the fuck is flower moon (laughs) (laughs) flower moon by the way the only best picture nominee let me make sure i have that correct the only best picture nominee to not have a screenplay nomination. The rest of them did American fiction, anatomy of a fall, Barbie holdovers, maestro, op, maestro Oppenheimer, past lives, poor things, zone of interest. The only best picture nominee to not have a screenplay nomination is killers of the flower moon. But nobody's saying anything about that. Mm. That's crazy. That's insane to me. Um, uh, what else would I put in here? All of us strangers. All of us strangers. All of us strangers. That's again. That's a screenplay movie. When you see it, you're gonna get it. Original screenplay. Holdovers. Now I even fall. Maestro. May December. Past lives. I already mentioned. Saltburn should be in here. Uh, fuck it. I'll even put the boy and the heron should be in here for original screenplay. Even though technically it was based off of something originally. It, ended up being something else completely at the end of it so it should be here cinematography poor things oppenheimer maestro flower moon and el condo not el condo el conde uh that's the pablo lorraine movie uh which i saw and was very good and should be here um saltburn should be here um but the rest are fine costumes yeah past lives should be here yeah yeah you're right it should be here um but Evidently, that's a laughable thing to say. Uh, costumes. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> costumes. Uh, Barbie, Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Napoleon got four nominations. I mean, at least they got something. I would give it for costume. For costume, production design. I think it was on that for sure. Um, I don't know about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> uh the the color purple I, wonka's costumes are great oh yeah for sure wonka had really great costumes i mean wonka for production uh, design too for sure yeah yeah and it wasn't yeah. there um and we're talking about wonka none of the songs for original song did wonka get nominated no not at all um Documentary feature. Nobody watches those. Um, 
I mean, I watch them. I try to and watch them. I, wa- I watch them. Um, but um, nobody cares. Uh, yeah. Uh, skirting along to editing. Anatomy of a Fall, Well-Deserved, Holdovers, Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Look, the more I'm reading these nominees, it's just like, a, what a waste of time. Oppenheimer is winning everything. Yeah. <laughs> Oppenheimer is winning nine, and this is like the most boring Oscar season ever. Like, it, it's already, like, it's over a month away, and we already know what the outcome is. Like, what a joke is this? Mm-hmm. Um, international feature film, Io Capitano, Perfect Day, Society of the Snow, The Teacher's Lounge, and The Zone of Interest. Anatomy was not in here because the French government did not like Justine Trier criticizing the neoliberal neoliberal government, and because of that, they were uh, they didn't they did not submit her film for consideration. And then what happens? The film they ended up submitting was not nominated. Hey, oh, and she got everything yeah. else yeah so. so yeah the french government can go fuck themselves basically. <laughs> um, um also i heard what that snow movie movie was about and that gross anxiety yeah you, yeah i haven't seen it for that reason as well at the same time uh because japan could only get one film in here perfect days it couldn't submit boy and the heron which couldn't be it wasn't eligible for this category and then also Godzilla minus one was not eligible and it absolutely is a freaking international film if there ever was one it should be here but it's not because of those dumb rules makeup and hairstyling Golda I don't know what that is Maestro <laughs> literally I don't know what that is Maestro Oppenheimer Poor that Things that is so funny <laughs> Society of the Snow that Maestro is in this I didn't think the makeup in Oppenheimer was very good also is Guardians in this no that's interesting. It's not yeah, in here. Except they put the fake Junos in there. All right. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is also the you know same people that chose Suicide Squad over Star Trek Beyond. They awarded Suicide Squad when they can't even nominate Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Mm-hmm. Guardians 3 had the single most use of prosthetics in film history and it couldn't even get in here because of its affiliation well, well well yes that but it also happened to be affiliated with marvel studios that's true anyway uh costumes and production design which i haven't gotten to yet those very clearly should be barbie versus poor things i actually just watched poor things again in theaters with peter this time last week wait what was the category Oh, uh, costumes and and then also the sets, production design. Poor Things has the best sets of the whole year. When you watch it, you will see for yourself. But then again, Barbie is also really good too. Um, so on those sets, production design, Barbie, Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Um, yeah. Uh... I think it would have removed Oppenheimer and added Topburn. Yeah. yeah. I would. For sure. I, 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 this is the thing. Uh, Oppenheimer didn't need 13 nominations. It didn't need to get into some of these categories. There were other films you could have picked, but you just didn't want to. Sound, you had The Creator, Maestro, Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer, and The Zone of Interest. 
Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning becomes the very first Mission Impossible film to ever be nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> this is the eighth film in the franchise. They just had to nominate Tom Cruise. Mm. Yeah. Um, but that was legitimately a great movie, though. Uh, a really good movie. Uh, visual effects, The Creator, Godzilla Minus One, both of which well-deserved. Mm. So good on that. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, and Napoleon. Ironically enough, Oppenheimer should be here, but it was eliminated. <laughs> it it was eliminated because they were boasting how they didn't use that much CGI. And so they were disgusted by that. Mm. And I, that's true. That should be here. Also, poor things. Uh, there was a, a they used the volume a lot in poor things, but you would never tell. Um original song. The Diane Warren song from Flame and Hot, which nobody saw. I'm Just Ken from Barbie. It Never Went Away from American Symphony. Wajaji, the song for My People from Flower Moon. That's the, the song that closes the movie. And then What Was I Made For from Barbie. Um, no Song from Wonka. Two out Come of on. ten. Um, now the Wait, one... was yeah. Color Purple? No. no, no. But they chose... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that is then, so crazy. Yeah. And even crazier, look at the nominations for original score. This might have been the most insulting one. American Fiction, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> I forgot about that for a second. Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Spider-Verse. Indiana Jones has no business being no. here. <laughs> And here, this is the thing. The best John Williams score that he's given us was The Last Jedi. And that happened to be the only one he wasn't nominated for. <laughs> he was nominated for Dial of Destiny and The Rise of Skywalker. Although, John Williams now has 54 Academy Award nominations. Dang. That's and nice. is the oldest living nominated person. <laughs> At 91 years old. Yeah. Good for him. So there's that. But at the same time, Daniel Pemberton, I think, had the best score of the year in Across the Spider-Verse. And Joe Hasaishi, not just for The Boy and the Heron, which was one of the best of the year, but for his career as well. That didn't happen. Mm. So anyway, uh... I gotta tell you guys, I'm a little bit over it. I kind of just want the Oscars to happen and we can just move on with our lives because we, we, we know Oppenheimer will win seven, eight, or nine of them. And that's it. Any else to add on to this? Uh, Oscar, I mean, nominations. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Very, I cannot yeah. believe I'm just getting can, got nominated. <laughs> That it didn't or that it did? That it did. I'm just Ken, the song? Yes. You Isn't can't believe You can't believe that it did or didn't? That it did. Oh, you're surprised. That was a good surprise, you mean. 
No, a bad one. Why? A song by the color purple? Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. But there was only there's only one new song. The ha- well actually there's not there's two. The Halley song. Yeah. Um Interesting. I don't know. I think I'm just getting better. <laughs> That's just my personal <laughs> opinion though. Um David, any last thoughts? Um Boy Naharan and Spider-Verse should have gone for best score. Um, not Indiana least, Jones. Yeah, not Indiana Jones. No. Compared to, uh, all I remember from that is just like the literal main theme. And honestly, the music worked better in the trailer than it did in any moment in the movie. <laughs> Have you listened to like the trailer music? Like it's just so, it's, it's really cool. They made it look epic <laughs> because of the music. Um, yeah, it didn't really work in the movie, but I wouldn't blame that on Williams. I would blame that on Mangold, the director. Mm. Like he, it clearly wasn't something went wrong in that movie for a lot of different uh, reasons in um in the editing process. Okay. Shall we talk about Saltburn now? This is the film that a lot of people have been forcing others to see against their will <laughs> on TikTok for uh viral social media reactions. This is directed by Emerald Fennell, the director of Promising Young Woman, and also she's an actress. She also played Camilla Parker Bowles on seasons three and four of The Crown. Uh, She's also a former Academy Award winner for a screenplay for Promising Young Woman. Um, The film stars Barry Keoghan, Jacob Elordi, Rosamund Pike, Richard E. Grant, um, among others. Um, And we're all about to lose our minds. This is the description from Letterboxd. Struggling to find his place at Oxford University, student Oliver Quick finds himself drawn into the world of charming and aristocratic Felix Catton, who invites him to Saltburn, his eccentric family's sprawling estate, for a summer never to be forgotten. That's for sure. Um, There have been... A lot of things said about this movie for a lot of different reasons. I would say that I think it's entirely fair if you want to point out that the film doesn't necessarily have much on its mind or much that it wants to communicate to you. That's fair. But I also think it's fair how much of that you choose to care about. Because, you know... I have complained a lot about many films not necessarily having a coherent idea or really having much of anything to communicate. Um, But that doesn't mean that there can't be films made purely to entertain and to shock and to give you a hell of a ride Um, in more ways than one, apparently. And I think Saltburn was a complete success from the standpoint of entertainment. Um, I can't really kind of articulate it the best of ways, honestly, but I was pretty much in it from the beginning and all the way through. Um... With a big smile on my face, and sometimes a different kind of smile, depending on what was happening on screen, which ranges, honestly. And then by the end of the film, you're just like, 
Wow. Um, I had a great time watching that. And I think if that's all you have to say about a movie, what's wrong with that? Because that's exactly what a lot of people had to say about the holdovers, right? Which what it came down to was, had a great time. That was a solid movie. Not much else to say about it. It didn't seem that we were angry at it for yeah. uh, in that situation. But somehow, people wanted to be furiously angry at this. Even though it is one of the best looking films and one of the best directed films. And also, honestly, uh, from a dialogue perspective, one mm-hmm. of the best written movies of the year. Uh, I freaking loved this movie. <laughs> and when I saw it initially, I was just like, this is crazy. I love it. Um, and for the record, Peter really liked it as well. Um, you guys saw it together. That must have been an experience. Because uh, you saw it at home. I saw it in the theater. Twice in the theater. And twice, uh, the reactions that the film was definitely get wanting to get out of people mission accomplished everybody was just like curling up in a ball and cringing loudly uh and violently at, at the moments that you should have so i don't know how that translated at home but it seems according to a lot of the videos that i've seen it's translated perfectly at home people are still having the same kind of reactions that they would have if they were in the theater please uh feel free to add on to what your thoughts were of Saltburn. I love this movie. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> um, I think it's so fun. I think it looks so pretty. I think um I love every single character in this movie. Um <laughs> even the really horrible ones. I just think it's so funny. But, but to be fair, there are a lot of odious individuals yes. in this picture. I mean, it's pretty yes. much it's kind of hard All to find them. somebody. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I, I no. I even was gonna say um, the guy from House of the Dragon, but no, he even is kind of strange. <laughs> yeah. Um. Which also David didn't realize that that was him, and it was. Oh my god! I remember now. To see to, I was literally. You can see my face like trying to remember House of the Dragon guy. What are you talking about? Oh, I remember now. <laughs> which character? Uh, the guy with the eye patch. Um. In House of the Dragon. He's the guy that he meets, his college friend that he meets in the yeah. beginning. That, that was like, give oh. me a math problem. <laughs> it's just, it's like, that's, <laughs> I believe you. Give me a math problem. <laughs> it's like, okay. Wait, what character did he play in House of the, the Dragon? One, the guy with the eye patch. The one that has like the giant dragon? The one with the big dragon? The one that steals the big dragon? Literally? Yeah. Yes. Oh, no wonder I hate <laughs> That makes it okay. I did not get that at all. Wow. Um, yeah, it was pretty unlikable. This, this, I mean, look, this is a film about unlikable people. It's just real about yes. that. That's the point. <laughs> yes. Um, I I like the like the way that the story is told because even though like I knew a lot of the things that were gonna happen, I didn't know how it was gonna happen. So the whole time I'm like, wait, but like 
how like when is it gonna happen how is it like it, it's like we're almost to the end of the movie like what's That's right. going on to be clear alexis is not at all allergic to spoilers so i think you knew the whole thing what it was gonna be all i knew was the word of mouth was like there were some shocking things and that barry keoghan uh was going to reveal a lot of parts of himself that he hadn't seen that we hadn't seen before and he did to his credit that that's all i knew um the whole context of it it's funny because the film kind of changes as it goes and i think yeah. I, i've seen some reactions that kind of uh agree with us where where it's like and even peter said this himself like i think the first 15 minutes of the movie kind of feel like a what would you call Different. it? Like, like a teen, like high school movie or something, mm-hmm. a teen college movie. And then it kind of like morphs. Yeah, it into just shocks else. you in the best way. Yeah. Like, it's just so fun. Um, I loved seeing David's reaction. Because again, I knew a lot of the things that were going to happen. David Did you knew record one of the things that was Did you happen. record it? Dude. Did you no. record his reaction? The more I'm thinking yeah. about it, the he, more I'm like, we should have done reactions to this. I would have been hilarious. <laughs> It's just, I love this movie, and I love Barry Keoghan. Like, I'm sorry, this is, like, what, like, four for four? Like, I don't even know. I love him. Um, the man I is incapable of turning movie? in a single bad Blew performance. The music. And, uh, By the way, the score. simultaneously made me feel yeah. really old. <laughs> well, to be fair... You mean the soundtrack, right? Because but, but yes, the score the is also great. It had a great score as well. Oh, uh, I didn't pay t- I was paying attention to the music. Well, well, well it is music. The score is well, music, like but the it's soundtrack. like right, right. The the lyrical music, yeah, uh, which was great. Like from beginning to middle to end, like, like every song choice is like spot on. Particularly that ending in large part because Emerald Vanell wanted to end with that song and I, I, I'm not sure if I got a chance to actually share it with you but on the day that we were recording this um, the BAFTAs announced something that Sophie Alice Bextor who sings the song Murder on the Dance Floor is going to perform the song live nice. at the BAFTA Film Awards later this year and by the way, the BAFTAs did nominate Saltburg for a lot of things. Mm. So it's, I, I I wonder if they're gonna rope in Barry to do something. <laughs> no, I don't think they will. I don't think he would want to do. I think part of him is kind of regretting doing this movie in the first place because of how many jokes have been made about him Aww. and his member, um, particularly uh, like t- like. Well, not I won't say like I'm not being serious there, but it's like too many of the same kind of jokes that have been made about it. Um, so the impact of that song choice is kind of seismic because I've, I've been seeing that song pop I mean, up it's in different places. I mean, it's kind of like places. the Stranger Things. Running, the, up, running up the hill, But right? I didn't yeah. like that song. Oh, it's a great <laughs> song. I don't like that song. Yeah, I like every song pretty much. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, I, the only songs I don't like are like Cats or Metallica. What do you mean? Uh, some, some songs are okay. I don't know. But yes, I love this movie. <laughs> no, you're right. The soundtrack, the the, the musical score. I mean, because it also has instrumental music that's not original compositions. But there's one. There's this use of music. Um, actually, it's a song. Uh, during uh, by the way, at this point, spoilers. But everybody has seen it already, so who cares? 
um, during the main funeral scene um, where the the whole track plays. And that, I think to me, the the use of sound is in this movie is just impeccable because you have the soundtrack, you have the score, and then of course you've got the sound editing for to accentuate some things that happen here. When we get to the sequence in the grave, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that stuff in a bit, but like you notice that the song stops mm-hmm. and we're just listening to ambient noise just so we can get the full experience of what was going to happen next. And we hear the actual sound of things being unzipped and things being inserted. Um, so I think that the use of sound in this film, I think is pretty remarkable, especially when you look at uh, a lot of the reactions that I was seeing from reaction YouTube channels. Um, and they're hysterical. Um, but I love the points that you made, Alexis, uh, David, your thoughts, um, on, on this film i really liked which <laughs> we should have done a reaction to like why didn't we think of doing a reaction I to this know. man this would have been perfect the next one that you find to be like as crazy as saltburn will for sure do reactions like i don't know just because uh, for sure my reactions were really funny because i was like is this the scene is this the bathtub scene like oh okay <laughs> but i feel like that wasn't even like no the, no like, but I like the grave one is like no a the grave one that, that one would have been hilarious to see my reaction because i was just like yeah, because he didn't know about that. <laughs> didn't one. know about it, and because like the bathtub scene happened, and I'm like, wait, but there's more, mm-hmm. and he's like, what do you mean? And I'm all just like, <laughs> and the uh, then the the grave scene though, I was just like, oh, we're still going, okay? He's <laughs> 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 just like, it's not stopping. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen, <laughs> and you immediately get uncomfortable because like, oh god, what's about to happen? And then you see it and you're like, okay. <laughs> no, but uh, okay. for sure, um, no, I really, really liked it. I I like that the movie just kind of takes its time with everything. It, you know, you get to know these characters. You They're bad people, but like you still, you like them. And I think that's what, that's what it took its time on in the beginning. Afterwards, you kind of see the whole spiraling out of control with the main character with uh, Barry Killian's character. And I liked Oliver Quick. <laughs> what a name, Oliver yeah. Quick. And um, I just like that you don't know what his motivation is like the entire time. Like you just have no idea what his end game is. And then when you finally see it, you're just kind of like, "Good for you." I don't know. Like to me, I was like, "Good for you." <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Like, look, I mean, that's kind of the the beauty of making a film where everybody is various like degrees of unlikable where arguably the one who's the most heinous ends up winning and yet we all end up rooting for it like it was a pretty joyous ending Mm -hmm. not just for him but for us watching like wow you did it like congratulations on that like you just can't help but being in the going along for the ride of it i think that's kind of the 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 magic of the film is like you just can't help but being sucked in and like well i guess we're here now and with every crazy thing that happens um you're just more and more in it and look the thing about um that character is he's a sociopath but like every sociopath there are like moments of like uh authenticity and and of course like with any sociopath he doesn't tell the truth even in the scenes where like he's 
I guess, talking to us directly about like, you know, they thought I loved him, but I didn't. You loved him. You very, (laughs) there were so many moments. I mean, you smiled every time he was around. Like he kissed you. He put his, his hand on your knee. There was even, and I, I didn't catch it the first few times, but in the scene before they go to his home and find out the truth, they're in the bathroom and Jacob already has a surprise. How cute. He has a surprise for Oliver on his birthday. And the way he's just smiling at him, it's just, they they radiate couple vibes like throughout the whole of this movie. And so it's just, it, obviously the, the intent is that he's, in denial of like his real feelings. But of course it was love so extreme that hatred had to be in there as well. Yeah. And not just for, um, what was Felix, but for the whole of the family. Yeah. Um, what I found interesting, and I don't know what that says about me, but like, (laughs) I think like for me, the cringiest part was when they went to Oliver's house yeah you know like that that feeling that you and peter say like when you guys watched uh red and um the mom goes into the store or like embarrasses her that's what i felt in that moment (laughs) like and i just think that that's so funny because of just like everything else that happens around it it's those cringe moments. Like I think of of several moments in the movie Love Simon. I think there was this character that want that is asking a girl that's way out of his league for prom in front of the homecoming game, and you're like, mm. those are the most awkward situations. And you just like you you do this the whole time, yeah, just so you don't like you know I see no evil, I hear like no evil. like in um past lives when they're at the bar and. Um, Thank you. the wife and the friend are talking to each other. I could not watch that. Like, Even our dad was just like, um, and then the husband was right next to them, like not understanding anything. I couldn't deal. Even with their that. dad was just kind of like, "Stop leaving him out of the conversation." <laughs> like, what are you doing? He, he didn't exist in that moment. Clearly, <laughs> for sure. Um, if you go back, not at all. Um, <clears throat> I agree with you that. To me, is my least favorite in the movie because it's it's the hardest to watch. Yes, and I think I would skip past it. Um, usually, and it's I mean, it's funny because this is a film that has at least three sequences that are designed to be hard to watch and designed to make you uncomfortable, and they were successful, but in a entertaining way, you know, not in a cringe way, the way that it was with um, finding out the truth about yeah. the parents, and so a lot of. The conversations surrounding the film are those three sequences, and which one was the worst? I think my favorite one is still the bathtub one because the reactions to it are delicious. This is so funny. Because, I mean, seriously, it's just like, especially the slurp and how loud it is, and everybody on cue just like, just like being so completely grossed out. I love it. it it's, uh, yeah. There were, now again, I guess sexuality may play into this because I have heard differing opinions where the kind of people you would expect to be into that kind of thing were like kind of turned on by the bathwater situation. 
<laughs> particularly the substance that was in the bathwater. Similarly, there were people who were saying that they were turned on by the the period blood suction <laughs> situation. <laughs> and not to kink shame here. We don't do that on this podcast. <laughs> Anybody's you know free to you know be into the thing that they they want to be into as long but... as there's consent. <laughs> yes, that's the most important part Which... is the consent. Was there in the <laughs> We should talk about though. I think if we're talking about like what was the worst one, I mean it's the grave one. Who in their right mind walked in or walks into any movie thinking you're going to see the main character stick his penis in a grave? Not just that though, but actually hump it. Like you were actually like having sex with a grave. Like that that was the closest I think that Oliver came to sleeping with um Felix. It also I don't think it was longer than meeting the parents, but like it felt super long. <laughs> and I think that's what made it more awkward. <laughs> no, yeah. Definitely for sure. Also um, that was improvised. That is true. What was it? Oh, oh yo, no, no, no. I wanted to, yeah, we it was very important to bring that up because um that whole situation was not in the script. And what the situation that I'm referring to is, well, just that. Him taking off his clothes at the at the end of the funeral and having sex with Felix's grave, that was not scripted whatsoever. Um, basically, what it came down to was Barry had asked Emerald Fennell if it was okay if he were to try something. That's the extent of it. Just to try something. And she's like, okay. Imagine being those people on set. And what you see transpire in front of you is your main lead. Remove his clothing and start having sex with a grave. I just feel like the way that this man plays each character that he does and understands him so well unsettling mm-hmm. insane <laughs> insane and, and unsettling I don't think that there's been like a character that you are really not supposed to like who does all these things that are not okay and like for him to still be like super likable <laughs> that's the beauty of Barry Keoghan <laughs> honestly like he he literally um, gave it his all. Um, on that grave scene, by the way, uh, I believe Matt Neglia of Next Best Picture directly asked a question if there was ever a point where um, in the scene where he's having sex with the grave, if there was ever a point where he thought to just keep digging. <laughs> And what I mean by keep digging. Yeah. <laughs> open up, open up the coffin and yeah. I'm sure that came mm. to mind. I wouldn't doubt it. Just imagine Jesus. Anyway. Um, and of course the ending, which was <laughs> perfection. Yeah. 
absolute perfection. I mean, you I don't think you can get any better than that as an ending. Also, let's not forget about um the amazing ensemble cast here. How great was Jacob Elordi? For sure. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is the first real performance I see of him that's not Kissing Booth. I haven't seen Euphoria <laughs> or Priscilla or anything Kissing else. Booth. I like Kissing Booth, but I, I that's all I know of him. I've only seen Euphoria. Um, uh, okay. And so it was nice to see him like being it. He's still a bad person, but like he was very likable in this. <laughs> very charming. Yeah. Very charming. Um, but yeah, also he definitely had his weird tendencies too that are not necessarily that explored in the film, but you you catch mm. on. Um, so he's great. Farley is great as well as is Venetia. I think Venetia. Also, um, I saw uh, the racing movie that he's in. Gran Turismo. Yeah, it's good. Really good. From out of here. Got to keep an eye out for that one. Apparently, <laughs> even though the trailer pissed me off to know mm. it. Um, Venetia was great. Um, always love to see Richard E. Grant whenever he pops up. He was just delightful to see. Rosamund Pike. Oh my God, she was. She, I mean, did she not deliver on <laughs> every line she was dropping? I mean, literally, like so she, funny. She was great. She was perfect. Um, I believe she did receive a. Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy. Or not Comedy, but in a Drama. Nice. I think. Or just in general, Best Supporting Actress. She was very good. Um, the House, Saltburn. The, the, the cinematography. The costumes, honestly. Yeah. Um, I mean, and by the way, this is the same cinematographer uh, as, that, that does all of Damien Chazelle's movies. Whiplash, La La Land, and um, Babylon. Mm. So that's cool. Like, yeah, top notch work that we have here. Um, it's such a good movie. (laughs) It is. I loved it. I don't know what it was about it, but it also kind of because it it happened. It deals with a family. I could see why it was released during Thanksgiving time. A you double know? feature. Knives double out feature. And knives out. You do realize that I have a knife, a knives out poster next to a salt burn poster, like literally right here. I have the poster right here. You can't, you can't make one that before up. Yeah. dinner, one after dinner. <laughs> yeah. So uh, clearly, this is one of our favorite movies of the year. I I freaking love this. Um, so yeah. I would say go watch it, but you already saw it. So, <laughs> all right. As we close the show today, let's talk about the uh, trailer to the final season of Star Wars: The Bad Batch. As we mentioned at the top, The Bad Batch is an animated series that is an epilogue of sorts to Star Wars: The Clone Wars, and very easily has blown away every other Star Wars show, and/or not included, by the way, out of the water. There is no comparison. In fact, the argument can be made that of all the new Star Wars shows in the Disney Plus era, Bad Batch is second only to Andor and everybody else is fighting like you know just so many miles down below the bar. Um I wasn't expecting so much out of a trailer 
because you know what, what it's going to be, but it reminds you of all the big seismic events that happened last season regarding Omega, uh, regarding the, you know, the death of one of the team members and also like what's at stake ultimately here because um, I think what has made the show so successful was that in many ways it has felt like um, the kind of transition from Republic to Empire we haven't really seen in Star Wars. We've always gone from Republic and then fast forward to Empire. We've never seen the the transition. And I think what kind of has made the show powerful is the same way that has made Andor powerful, is that we're living in times where fascism and neo-fascism are on the rise all over the world. I mean, we're living in a, in a country where... Uh, a candidate who led an insurrection is on trial for that and many other things um, may win come November. I mean, we're, we're, we're living in those times. And so they feel so potent right now. They feel so powerful. Um, and to me, some of the best episodes that Star Wars animation has ever produced has come from this show. And to me, it's just kind of, it's solidified itself in the trifecta. Clone Wars, Bad Batch, Rebels. Like, you, they come in together. And anything involving animation, for whatever reason, works for me. But when you, you do the live action, it falls off a cliff completely. So, <laughs> there are returning characters. Fennec Shan, Cad Bane will be back. You saw the Emperor in here. Um, Hemlock, the main doctor bad guy who's in charge of this program to find a way to clone the emperor which ultimately this mm. this leads down to we know where it's going to yeah. go to <laughs> but um that's not not the craziest thing that we are about but it's more more about how what happens to the clones with this empire and what has happened to them it's been pretty fucking heartbreaking um so you see more of that in it um and that's all that happened right there wasn't anything else yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. There, there was one thing. Um, Asajj Ventress. Asajj Ventress. Okay, couple of things here. <laughs> More than a couple of things here. I don't know what is going on. Okay. I. Don't know what they're going to do in terms of what future this character has in, dare I say, the live action space. Um, but considering how literally every other Clone Wars character made a comeback literally in so many other spaces... Uh, and considering that they're not going to stop bringing characters back after the dead, and I've kind of like made peace with that, fuck yeah, let's just bring Ventress back. I'm sorry, if you're going to do it for everybody else, let's bring it for a character who we have not had closure with on screen. For those of us that cared enough and to read her up until what was previously known as her final ending... um. If you just watch Clone Wars or the shows, you have no idea where that character mm -hmm. went. You have no idea what happened to her. Um, and that's sad. 
And she's yeah. also a popular character and a popular character to invest in more stories. Yeah. So to me, it has been for years now a no-brainer to bring her back. And by the way, this isn't a thing that came out of the blue because Filoni almost brought her back years ago when they did that Resistance show on Disney XD. They were going to bring her back in the sequel trilogy era uh, for, a, I don't know what the character was supposed to be, but Filoni long ago had made up his mind, I think I want to bring her back, which is what he does <laughs> with literally every character. So again, no surprise there. So again, this has been something that has been on their minds for a while now, but it may be something where... I can appreciate where they were actually trying to be delicate and measured about where exactly to be brought back. Now, mind you, would I have guessed the Bad Batch show be the place to put Ventress back? No, but at the same time, the Bad I'm Batch... Glad it was there. I'm glad it was there, but also the Bad Batch has been a show more than just about the Bad Batch clones. It's a show about all the clones, and it actually happens to be a show where a lot of Clone Wars characters kind of pop back up again, where, like, Senator Chuchi uh, came back, and she played a big role uh, last season with the conspiracy episodes, the Kaminoans, and what happened to them. Like, so much of the hanging threads from Clone Wars are addressed in this show. And so, like, if you're a fan of the Clone Wars, we're now at a point where the Bad Batch is a must-watch territory for a lot of the things and a lot of the, the ground that's covered on here. So, and then with Ventress, we see she has a new look, but it's the look that she had in the Dark Disciple novel. Mm -hmm. um, so ultimately, the question on everybody's mind is, what's going mm -hmm. on? Didn't she die? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, by the way, I want to take this on the plug. I had to. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't read this, by the way, this year, I think Mark's, 10 years that this book has been out? Oh, Let me wow. see. Uh, so, audiobook. Audiobooks for Star Wars stuff. Great. <laughs> also, yes, the audiobook is great. I also, on, on YouTube, they, some people did a production, uh, like a, like, like if it was like a, like a, an, uh, a radio play mm. with, with music and everything. And it sounded really, really good. I was listening to it a few hours ago. 2015. Uh, is how this is when but the stories that this is an adaption because this was adapted off of eight unproduced episodes all of which were written by katie lucas um george lucas's mm. daughter which were written they were written circa 2012 2013 but then again clone wars was canceled before they were able to produce those episodes so because of how good they were they gave it to christy golden and they made a, a novel out of it. And it's a great book. And if you care about Ventress and what happens to her, and it also happens to be one of the most pivotal moments in all of the Clone War. Um, but essentially, she doesn't make it. And her final resting place up until now was uh, the Night Sister pool where she uh, first entered on the show to actually be a night sister to reborn a, a sister of the night. And the book ends with Quinlan Voss, who ended up being her lover 
you wouldn't know that if you watched the show, but it happened in the book and everything. Um, the spirit of the Night Sisters welcoming Ventress. Uh, and like he actually hears that. So like the Night Sisters have found a way, obviously we knew this already, of having a consciousness um outside of the the cosmic force after their deaths. So how do you come back from that? I don't know. And I gotta be honest, I also don't even care. I'm just happy that she's back and we get to see her again. And we it was get to so hear her. Oh my yeah. god. Nika Nika Futterman, the voice actress. This is the first time we hear her in over 10 years. <laughs> I'm so excited. I don't know what she has to do with any of this. I don't care. <laughs> I I don't I, I honestly don't even care. I'm just glad that she's back. And I can't even I I'm I was like I was in disbelief when I saw it. I'm like They did I, it. I when I saw it, I was like like I think I just scrolled past it because I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like what they actually ignored for so long. Ten years. Ten, how many times am I gonna say it? Ten years. <laughs> She's been ignored for ten years. I'm so happy. And again, I am so happy that it's in this show, in this way. In the era, too. And it was not in the previous Star Wars thing that we watched. <laughs> How heartbreaking would it have been if they announced this character in the Mandalorian? Which I know Boba we Fett. mentioned, but yeah. also I'm so happy that that because it was happened. a disaster. And again, like those shows, like there's no shortage of characters that end up getting ruined because they're involved in those shows. They ruined Boba Fett. They ruined Ahsoka. They ruined Sabine. They they, they ruined everything. Hmm. Uh, quick question. Yeah. Uh, Ventress died before Order sixty six, right? Uh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, she ended up dying. Um, she sacrificed herself. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, she blocked the Force lightning from Dooku that would have killed Quinlan Vos. So she sacrificed herself to save the love of her mm. life. Um, at the end of it. Um, and I, I'll tell you, one of the most emotional moments in all of Star Wars for me personally was reading in this book the last words that she spoke and how happy she was to finally be the person she always wanted to be <laughs> at the end. Wow. That's... To be a hero. I know. I know. Um, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and this is why I've been saying for 10 years now for like however as I, I'm happy that we have this but just imagine had the Clone Wars continued and these these were going to be not for eight episodes this is a huge arc this is the story that they should have done when they aired the last season of the Clone mm. Wars instead of whatever the thing with the Soka was or just also included in there. Especially because it's it's Ventress's final story is tied in so much with a lot of the themes of the show overall and the failure of the Jedi and the Jedi yeah. Council because 
I don't even remember what the words are. I'm sure Mace Windu was a dick in here, mm. uh, as he always is in this book. Because um, that's just the role that he seems, you know, hell-bent to play. But um, Yoda and Obi-Wan... Or maybe Obi-Wan, they'll do Tales of the Jedi. <laughs> it's not enough, though. I, I think, know, Look, we, we, I got, we got a campaign for them to do it justice. Give us the eight episodes. Give us some, two movies. Or just give us something. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that with Bad Batch... This is going to open the door for more Ventress stories in animation. Fingers crossed and everything. Please. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, Ventress's death was such a pivotal moment in the Clone War because this comes after literally all the episodes of the Clone Wars where they banished Ahsoka, where they realized that the enemy made the clone army for them when they realized um, uh, so many other things. And this was the moment, to me anyway, reading it, the point of no return. And there's there's scenes here where Obi-Wan is just like, fuck. We, we just keep hitting new and new lows. This, like, because there, he... Kenobi and other members of the Jedi Council feel personally responsible for the death of Asajj Ventress because ultimately what happens here, Mace Windu instigates this by saying, why don't we just kill Dooku? And let's just get Ventress. And compromising more of their principles by doing a direct assassination mission, which I didn't even mention that Quinlan Voss, Jedi Knight, like he goes to the dark side in this book. Like He becomes an enemy. Um, partly because Ventress coaxes him into doing it, but for a point. That was the mission. And then he turns and it's a, it's a whole thing here. Um, there's even an exchange in the book uh, Anakin and Padme have uh, where Anakin is just so confused about how could anybody love Ventress? <laughs> and Padme is like, well, hello, look at us. Like, <laughs> how can, It's pretty easy to understand the situation they're in like yeah so (sighs) i'm so excited (laughs) i am too and also one of the things is i mean she has her yellow lightsaber which we never got to see and it looks Mm -hmm. amazing um one difference though is i I have to mention this the hilt is different whereas the hilt (laughs) on her light i know the hilt on her lightsaber matches the lightsaber she had in the show, but were stolen uh, by Barris Offy at the end of season five. And the lightsaber that she has here is a different model. Look, there's going to be liberties taken. I don't care. But they did already make a statement saying that they're not going to betray what happens in here. But at the same time, they they even did uh, in the databank for her character on StarWars.com saying Do you think that- it's a flashback then? No, it's not. No, it, it's confirmed to not be because they actually okay. say that um, it's funny because at StarWars.com it says, oh, yeah, she died, but her story didn't end there. <laughs> yeah, literally. Right. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing. But th- that's the point, which is like there were more stories after her death. So it's implied she comes back. That's dumb. <laughs> Sorry. But that's why I asked the question, too. It's like, wait a minute. Didn't this take place before Order 66? Because I remember Obi-Wan being in the it book, did. and I'm like, it wait, did. the timeline's yeah. not right here. So, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe it could be. 
But at the same time, they've brought so many characters back. Honestly, I'm just going to go with Night Sister Magic. Does it yeah. make sense ultimately thematically? Not really, but do I care? If I got to get her back, fuck <laughs> it. That's where I'm at. So, who knows? Some theories have speculated that Asajj Ventress helps out Quinlan Voss in um, help, uh, hiding refugees from the Empire. Because in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, they mentioned Quinlan Voss as being mm-hmm. one of those Je- former Jedi Knights mm-hmm. um, that helps hide people away. So, there could be that. You never know. Uh, but we'll find out pretty soon. I know. <laughs> We'll find out pretty soon, and I, I wonder. Uh, I wonder at what point in the season she's going to come in, mm-hmm. and for what purpose too. You know, yeah, because she's not just there to like, hey, I'm here. But what purpose does her presence contribute to the Bad mm-hmm. Batch? You know, so it'll all be fascinating to see. Uh, but I think uh, for the moment, anyway, we can all just look forward to that actually being a possibility that we get to see her again and hear her again. I know. I'm so excited. Yeah. That was long. <laughs> anyway, anything else to say before we leave? Nope. No, then I guess we're done. Thank you all for listening and watching. We're going to coin that term. Uh, our show here on Red Spotlight. You can catch our show every single week. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm done. Anyway, bye guys. Bye. bye.